listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Cass and Pod Green. <laughs> and we're back. Yeah, we're back again. Uh, we're we're one short. Uh-huh. Yeah, unfortunately, um, we're uh, we're we're down a pot today. Oh man, that's unfortunate. That's beyond unfortunate, man. Yeah, I'm in pain. You know, I have some serious back problems. You know, so I have some somewhat uh, consistent chronic back pain that I suffer from, and unfortunately, pots out with. Uh, uh, is it, it did he did he have a back injury a back accident yeah it was an accident an acute thing i he i think he was bending over in the wrong way or something like that this morning and man he he sounded like he was in some pain i really feel for the guy i imagine yeah so our thoughts our hearts and and prayers go out to this guy you know we all miss him um for the show but yeah so uh, that being the case I guess we're going to handle it to get to get. He he insisted that we we the show must go on. That's right. And uh, so we uh, we were happy to oblige him. So you're just going to get us two today. That's the that's the gist of it. Two for the price and, of three. Uh, two for the price of three. How about that for a bargain? Um, <laughs> so we're uh, we're 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 none short of uh, lots of interesting news stories and, and uh, discussion objects and a little call. I think we're going to try to call uh, our friend Jay. Selhoffner later on. Hopefully yeah. We'll be before we before we get to all that, let's uh, let our listeners how they can get a ho- uh, know how they can get a hold of us. Sure. We've got our sure. website at uh, cannabisagenda.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, our email if you have any questions, you can email us at info at cannabisagenda.com. Um, mm-hmm. We would really like to get your phone calls if you have questions, because then we can mm-hmm. play them on the air and hear your lovely voices. So uh, right. yeah, please please give us a ring at seven zero seven six five four C A N N. That's six five four can. We also got some Twitter going on and some Facebook. Uh, we got links mm-hmm. to those on the website. Yeah, you can go to Facebook and like us. Like us. Yeah. We like to be liked. We we like to be liked. <laughs> and uh, subscribe to our show in iTunes. You can get it automatically downloaded to your iPod or iPhone or whatever little gadget you got. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, hello, cannabis world. Hello. Man, they're out there, hopefully having fun, minding their uh, P's and Q's. Yeah. Everybody staying uh, out of the paper. It's summer. It's August already. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah. I stepped outside. And if I didn't (laughs) believe it before that, I believed it instantaneously after I first, you know, in Illinois, the summer is serious, man. It's no joke. (laughs) I'm I'm on the road right now, too. I'm in, in Illinois myself, and it is humid out there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh but you know, don't you kind of miss that? I mean, you were around this when you were younger somewhat. And no. You're familiar with it. You don't no. at all. <laughs> I, really. I tell you what I miss. I miss the thunderstorms cuz uh, uh-huh. we, we don't get those in coastal California. Yeah. And I miss the yeah. seasons too. We don't get snow and we don't really get the, you know, the beautiful trees changing color in the fall and that kind of thing. You know, I can I can probably do without winter. I can go on a on a weekend excursion and see snow and make snow angels and throw snowballs and then leave it and come back and have no winter at all. So I guess I guess that being the case, Illinois is probably the one of the worst places I could choose. 
Minnesota might be a little worse and it's, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's a mixed bag with weather here. Somebody said, Illinois, the weather only sucks eight months out of the year. <laughs> I don't think Great. I'm not that harsh of a critic, but you know, yeah, I don't think it's it, that bad. It gets to some extremes, a little bit too hot for some people in the summer and a little bit too cold. But, you know, I grew up around this, so I heard people complain like crazy. It's too hot. It's too hot. And then it gets cold out. And they're like, it's too cold. And I thought, you know what? I'm never going to be like that. I just got to pick one, you know? So yeah, I chose I chose summer. You, you like summer. I love summer. Yeah, I do, too. I can stand the heat. I, I can't stand the cold nearly as much as I can stand the heat. Yeah, plus you can run around and cut off shorts. You know, and that's like it and flip flops <laughs> and, yeah. and you're good to go. That's good a plus stuff. for me. Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, uh, so what's up, man? Where do we start? We got so much going on this week. Uh, we got a few, uh, housekeeping items to take care of. Um, remind our sure. listeners about the normal conferences coming up in Portland. Yeah. Portland, Oregon. Yeah. September, Dantons. September the 9th through the 11th, uh, at the governor hotel in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope to see you there. We, uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully some of us will be there. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Uh, we hope yep. you will too. And we would love to meet you. Yeah. So, uh, probably get, uh, get educated about a lot of things and hang out and meet some, some good, good people, times. make some good connections. Absolutely. That's right. That's what it's about. So keep that up. Put that on your calendar, everybody. It's Portland, Oregon, September 9th through the 11th. And as you, if you can recall, I reported earlier when we first mentioned this uh, a few shows back um, that there's also a Hempstock uh, musical festival that's going on um, the following Sunday, the 12th, I believe it's the 12th. And so immediately uh, following the conference. Yes. So if you're able at all to stick around, uh, stick around for that, yeah. I think it would be more than worth your, uh, your time and effort to do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it sounds fun, man. It sounds really good. I hope I'm not overcommitted and can't get out there, but it looks at this point like that's going to be the case, unfortunately, but it'd you know, be, whatever. It'd be great to see you. Yeah, I know. Got to take care of business. Either way, we'll work something out. But, uh, yeah. Um, what else we got? Uh, we, uh, you have some contest items? Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's amazing to me. No, We had no correct answer for our contest last week. Hmm. It was, yeah. it was a little difficult question. Do you want to extend that for a week, or do you want to give them the answer now? That's a good question. Uh, we could extend it for a week. Do you want to read, read the quote again? Okay, yeah. I'll just read the, 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 the question again. And this one is, who said this and when? So you just... I mean, we didn't really have many people that were that close. So you just have to find out who said it, which is basic. And then, like, in what context? Like, during what situation did they say this? Where did they mention this at? Mm -hmm. And here's the quote. The quote is, in strict medical terms, marijuana is far safer than many foods we commonly consume. Marijuana, in its natural form, is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to man. Now, who said that and when? Email us, and if uh, you're the first person with the correct answer, um, then we will happily send you along uh, a copy of Reefer Madness on DVD. All right. We have another contest we came up with um, for this week. It has to do with um, some fundraising for Jay Selthoffner. He's running for District 41 Assembly Member uh, for the state of Wisconsin. And uh, what we come up with this idea... 
we want to solicit some donations to support Jay and his efforts. Um, so far, everything look like, looks like it's going very strong for his campaign. Um, we'll probably try to get a hold of him sometime in the show and, and see if we can uh, uh, get it f- straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, see how things are going for him. Um, but here's the contest we came up with. We want you to donate to the camp- to uh, Jay Selhautner's campaign fund. Um, as an independent candidate running on this uh, controversial, I call it pseudo-controversial uh, platform, uh, the hemp platform, both uh, that's both uh, recreational, uh, medical, and uh, industrial uses for hemp, which actually all surprisingly pull very high in his district. Um, it's really vital that he be able to buy television commercials and radio spots and other kinds of media to be able to compete. Now, he's running against, a, I believe it's a three-term Republican uh, incumbent. So um, it looks like he has a ton of support right now, and he just needs – he's running this on a, on a kind of a, a shoestring budget. So he really needs our support right now. This is very crucial for this movement in a general sense as well as for, you know, good for District 41. Um, but but in, in, in a national way, this is a, a huge – huge thing because this would probably, to my knowledge, and, and correct me if, if you know other, otherwise, but to my knowledge, I believe that would be the first person to gain a, a position of this uh, status um, based on that platform. On so, a strictly cannabis platform. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of anyone else doing that. Nope. Nope, I have not. I've heard of a couple of them that wanted to try, but they were completely disorganized. They didn't have their, their act together, and it just it was kind of doomed from the get-go. Um, with Jay, it's it couldn't be more to the contrary. It is, it is exact opposite of that. He has got his act very much together. He's a really sharp guy. Yeah, he's um, really he, charismatic. Yeah, yeah, yep. He's got it going on. So uh, I think, uh, you know what, can we... Well, let's finish this this contest and tell him how to do this. What he's asking for, um, he's pretty modest in, in, in his uh, in, in, in his request for donations. I mean, if you have forty two million dollars to to lend, no problem. I, you know, actually, I don't think that's fair in campaign law, but you get the picture. Uh, what he's asking for is four dollars, at least four dollars and twenty cents per person. And if you can get 10,000 people to do that from around the country, then that would give them uh, $42,000 so we could purchase the media that's necessary to get his word out there and get his information out there to compete with this uh, Republican incumbent that he's running against. Um, So what we're going to do is if you uh, go to Jay's website, actually, we'll have a link on our website that will direct you to how to get there. And then you can, from from our site, you you get the link to Jay's site and donate at least $420 and through do, doing it through that process, then that will give us uh, your address, and we will send the first 10 people uh, a copy of Reefer Madness on DVD. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's awesome. I mean, you know, if you can afford to get $42, $420, hey, it would be very much appreciated. But we're saying for the contest purposes, at least $4.20. So I hopefully uh, people will be enthusiastic about helping out with this. Um, additionally, I think if, if this goes really well, we might extend things a little bit longer. Yeah, if, um, we, so. if we get a good response from this, I, I definitely think we'll, uh, we'll try to do this again. Okay. Excellent. Hey, let's uh, let's let's see if we can reach him on the phone, and I don't know, maybe we can uh, ask him personally how things are going. Let's do that. Hey, Jay Selhoffner. This is Jay Selhoffner. Jay, how's it going, man? What's happening, man? It's Jamie Cass and uh, Cogs from the Cannabis Agenda. Hey, how are you? Hey, we're doing good. We're not interrupting you too much, are we? 
Actually, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to talk and drive. I am on a hands-free set, so I think technically I'm not okay. breaking the law, but uh, we just came back from a normal meeting talking about the big Harvest Fest Festival for Wisconsin this fall, and uh, no, you had a good time. I'm on the drive home. Awesome. That's cool. Well, we're glad we caught you. We didn't know if we'd, we just were talking about you a little bit, and we thought, you know what, let's give him a ring and see what he's up to. Well, my ears are always ringing, so someone's always talking about me. So we think that's a good sign that we're uh, we have a we we have a buzz going in the political atmosphere around here. Right, that is a good thing. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's uh, we wanted to ask you about what's going on. But before we do, let's just remind our let's remind our listeners that we're talking to Jay Selthoffner. He's running for Wisconsin State Assembly in District Forty One in the state of Wisconsin. So, uh, yeah, we've talked to Jay before. If you caught our show, you probably heard us talking to him. Um, but now we just wanted to call up, man, and see uh, how things are going and let us know what's up. What's up? Well, uh, you know, it actually just couldn't be better that this weekend was, like, uh, political people everywhere. Uh, I met uh, senators, uh you know, current assembly reps, people bidding for federal levels, governors, and we spoke about pot with every single one of them. There's a lot of support out there. I had four or five community events this weekend. Uh, I'm at the point now where I don't wear a Friends of JT shirt. I don't even have my suit on anymore. I think my face is getting known. I get people coming up to me saying, hey, thank you and shaking my hand and say, well, you got my vote. So we're all politicking with the family just by being out in public, but support is everywhere. Great. And the senators, the reaction from those individuals that are already up in the positions there, it's been pretty positive. You know, I'm pretty vocal in the state anyways, and worked on Uh the the hemp bill and medical bills. So they know my stance. They know my issue. They're amazed at the public support that I'm getting uh, again, first awesome. of all, running as a running as an independent is making noise there, and then just talking about pot and not getting any negative feedback. We're actually inviting sure. some people. The current Republican that holds my seat sponsored the hemp bill, and when I find somebody out there that doesn't uh, really want to support the marijuana or hemp issue, I do remind them that uh, the current uh, state assembly rep was a sponsor of the bill, and they're actually kind of shocked like that. So. It just goes to show that the lack of communication between uh, what's going on in our state capitol, the laws that are being passed, and the people who are voting, uh, the people in the office, uh, there's just a breakdown there. We need to restore that. We need to let people know what's going on. Nice. Nice. Well, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's promising. It sounds like things are going pretty well for you. Man, it's yeah, good to I hear. Actually, yeah, no, great. I actually spoke to... Uh, uh, independent governor candidate. I'm not going to quite name him quite yet because I want to work with his campaign and we want to address the issue under his terms. Uh, but spoke to him and then spoke to somebody who is running against uh, Republican Petri, who's a longtime Republican uh, in our district. And again, these are two individuals that support uh, industrial hemp, obviously support medical marijuana, really are looking at the issue under a microscope like I did taking some advice from my campaign and at this point they're in agreement with me they haven't said no so awesome so this is not only a a potential for for sound leadership for that district but this is also a teachable moment for a lot of people on cannabis related or hemp related issues oh it's cross-related you know the the talking point is uh sticking a big green leaf up there and getting people talking but it's such a yeah. Uh, such an interesting topic that everybody has their own little take on it, and everybody has their own um, 
Uh, everybody has their own cannabis agenda. You know, some people some people sure. want to do it for food for food fuel fiber. Uh, some people want to be in a medical marijuana business, and that includes doctors uh, as well as people who would own a dispensary. And then again, we talk about this all the time. We have a problem in Wisconsin with uh, with drinking. Uh, we, you know, we have we, drunk driving is something that we talk about every day. That cigarettes uh, are out there, and we know people use them. That we want to offer Wisconsin maybe a little bit safer recreational choice, a smarter choice, one that's safer for them, and hopefully one that's safer for the state in the long run. Right. Right. Well, hey, unfortunately today, uh, uh, my co-host Pot Green is, he has some serious back problems that happened today and he's in some serious pain. We told our audience earlier, he won't be joining us for the show, but our producer Cogs is here. Uh, you want to say hi? Yeah. Hey Jay, it's yeah. nice to talk to you again. Hey, same here. Glad, glad, uh, like I said, just glad to keep the dialogue going both uh, on cannabis-specific sites and obviously bringing cannabis politics to the people who usually are dodging it. Uh, we we were discussing earlier today. I I think we uh we might try to try to send some people to your site and uh, maybe get some donations for you. Oh, that would be great. Uh, we're running against a Republican machine, and we're doing it on a grassroots shoestring budget. And like I said, we're just asking for four dollars and twenty cents from folks, and I think that's a pretty reasonable uh, amount to uh, uh, to ask, and I think it's a reasonable amount to give. So um, well, yeah, we, let's let's uh, tell our listeners we'd like to we'd like to. Um, offer offer to our listeners the first ten listeners that go to Jay's website at let me let me see if I get this right Jay it's Jay Selthofner that's S E L T H O F N E R dot com slash C A and we'll have a link to that on our website so the first ten people exactly. who go there and donate at least four dollars and twenty cents uh, we were we we're going to send a copy of Reefer Madness on DVD. Oh, that's awesome, you guys. Thank you so much. I yeah. appreciate that. That is, that is excellent. You know, that's the things that yeah. we were just talking about doing is uh, cross-promoting the event, letting everybody know, and uh, every, this is everybody's issue. And, oh, thank you so much, you guys. That's great. Oh, it's our pleasure. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, to have somebody like you get into a position like this would be monumental for this movement in our country, I think, you know, that would be, uh, mm-hmm. you'd be spearheading a change of opinion waking a lot of people up in the process. So we're behind you for yeah. sure. You know, and it's a nice thing because I'm hearing that behind the scenes also is that, the, it, it, you know, the existing political m- regime is actually kind of happy for it too, because they have a spokesperson that they can turn to that can help uh, right. solve the problem, troubleshoot it, network, get the job done. And, uh, we all we all need help, you know, and unfortunately we just didn't have uh, somebody who wanted to wear the green leaf on their sleeve, and I'm proud to wear it. You got it. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome, man. I can't I can't argue with that. Hey, you said you mentioned that you were coming from a normal meeting. Or how are you affiliated with uh, with normal? Are you? Yeah. Um. Actually, I, you know, I started out um, with being a board director for I guess our our most vocal chapter. That's Madison Normal. Uh, out of oh, our yeah. state capital, Mad- <laughs> Madison is here. That's where we have our big Harvest Fest each year. Actually, it's uh, the 40th annual Harvest Fest this year where it's a super lineup. I'm gonna, actually, it's a funny story. <laughs> There's so many stories that we have, but it's going to be my first Harvest Fest this year. I never was able to make it. My family has some other things going on at that time, but I've always uh-huh. wanted to do it, and this is going to be my first one, and I'm going to be speaking at it. So I'm going to be a guest speaker, so it's kind of exciting there, but... Um, yeah, normal yeah. was great. You know, I was a board member there. 
Uh, also, sat, I'm the secretary for the, the state chapter, Wisconsin Normal, and then recently uh, started a northern Wisconsin Normal chapter that was uh, to serve really that rural community up there. Also, uh, uh, you know, involved with the other nonprofits and uh, various organizations that are involved in the cannabis movement, which there's a lot of them. <laughs> wow, man, that's awesome. So you're, you're carrying a torch all the way around. That's a great thing. Yeah, I help, I help carry the torch. I help carry the torch. Other people light it, and we pass it around, and we try to keep it going at all times, and I think that's the most important thing. Kind of right. like a joint, then. So they like cannabis in Madison? <laughs> oh, they love, they love cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jay, you mentioned uh, the Harvest Fest. Can you tell our listeners um, when and where they might, uh, you know, if they're in, if they're in the area? Uh, when, when they yeah, might? I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm driving, but um, it is the first weekend in October. So uh, really the kickoff is the, the Harvest Fest itself. The, the, the event that you don't want to miss is Saturday, I believe. You can go to the, uh, you can find a, a link to it on my website, my, my blog. Uh, but basically, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three-day festival. Saturday seems to be the biggest focus. We just are finalizing the schedule of events. So if people check back by next week, I'm sure everything would be posted. But that first weekend in October is the big day. So. Great. It's the first weekend. That would be the first, second, and third. There you go. That's the dates on the calendar. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, AJ, mm-hmm. we're not going like to keep it too long. Oh, no, I was going to say, it's always, it's always fun to talk about cannabis. Uh, we we have been talking about it quite a bit, but in the whole process, we've learned that there are some other issues in Wisconsin that, you know, we can certainly help address, too, uh, through, you know, sure. through the professionals that we have. And most importantly, like I said, we want to just put people back into politics, and uh, uh, this is another great way to do it, just a good sounding board, because it's a public policy that everybody supports, and it's time for change. Absolutely. We agree. Hey, before we check out, I did want to ask you, what are there any pending legislation? Is there any pending legislation in Wisconsin right now that's cannabis or hemp related? Uh, actually, you know, there, there is, uh, to give you the bill numbers right off the top of my head, sure. uh, can't do so, but there, uh, the way we look at it is the legislation process never stops. And that's one of the things right. that I'm glad, I'm so glad that you pointed that out because that's actually one problem that we have. People think the bill died, the medical bill died. You know, they think, oh, right. you know, it's over, the fight's over. No, it's just nope. as strong as it was yesterday. We should be stronger. Uh, people need to get elected on November 2nd. Now is the time to talk about it more than ever. Uh, we could have a more enhanced, uh, uh, a better bill than perhaps was presented before, and those are the things that people didn't need to remember. So in my eyes, legislation is constantly being made every day. Man, that's awesome. Well, AJ, it's always fantastic to talk to you, man. We're behind you. We'll keep checking in and, and keep kind of connected with how you're doing and let our listeners keep track of what's going on with your campaign. And we wish you the best as always, sir. Hey, I appreciate it. Like I said, any help we can get, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the DVDs. We appreciate it greatly. And uh, definitely, we'll stay in touch and we'll keep you in touch. Yeah, man. Take care. All right. Thanks again. Thanks All a lot, Jay. Bye-bye. Wow, that, that guy is great. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? I told you, man. This guy's got the he's got the full the full package deal for for a candidate. I think it. You know, I mean, even even with my one hundred percent support for this platform and for this issue and my affiliation, you know, with the the political uh, processes around the around the nation, you know, as as a as a long term activist and such, um, I'm still somewhat skeptical when somebody wants to run on based primarily on such a platform. 
just because typically we don't get sound minded people that are that have the combination of enthusiasm and ability and you know all the things that you need to have and and I'm I'm so relieved and refreshed that this dude honestly he seems to have it going on. So man, we'll we'll keep a tra- we'll keep an eye on what's happening with this race and uh this should be fun. Yeah, and we highly encourage our listeners to uh to go and donate to Jay's campaign. Any amount, um you know, four dollars and 20 cents at the minimum, but if you can afford more than that, that would be great. Oh, awesome. Man. Okay, I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> so uh me too. So moving along, we got some stuff from uh a couple questions for listeners that we're going to feature today, I think. Yeah, we've, we've been getting more of these questions from listeners, which are great. Absolutely. Please keep them coming. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you do have some, please, uh, if, if you like, please call our number, uh, 707-654-CANN, and um, leave them for us uh, as a voicemail, and we'll play them on the air. Absolutely. That's a cool idea. Yeah. The, these ones that we're going to talk about this week came in via the regular email. Yeah, yeah, and this first one uh, we mentioned him last last show because we we weren't able to. Uh, there was a lot of information. He asked some really good questions. That was the whole situation. He asked some really uh, kind of challenging stuff. Um, it was from Clay from Kentucky. So I want to I want to respond to him. And uh, this is what Clay wrote to us. Clay writes, "I heard you all discuss the unionization of workers at dispensaries in Oakland, California, on a previous summer podcast." I think it was Memorial Day. Uh, I was wondering if you all had any more information about those people and their workers' rights endeavor. Also, you mentioned the growers having interest in unionizing as well. I know that they're self-employed, 1099 tax bracket, and those individuals don't often join unions or pay union dues. However, like many other self-employed workers, they can found or join a workers' or tradesmen's guild, which serve many of the same practical or political standardization and organizational benefits of a union. Perhaps they should look into that as a potential step in their sector of the industry. The benefits could include buying, selling co-ops, economy of scale purchase, and distribution of resources and, and political activism. And uh, in, a, in a separate vein of discussion, what information or studies have you all become aware of regarding drug testing conducted by employers and law enforcement, in particular, the accuracy, cost-effectiveness, and ease of obtaining results from mouth swab versus urine screenings. I know that since there is very little research being conducted on the concentration levels of cannabinoids and their impact on sobriety, the failing of a urine screen is often equivalent to an automatic conviction or inability to hire an individual. I'm thinking of relevance specifically to DUI charges, pre-employment drug screens, and workers' compensation claims for injuries on the job. That's Clay from Kentucky. Man. Yeah, two Whew. real good questions there. Yes, yes. So I'm going to break these down into two different things, and maybe we'll, we'll discuss them uh, briefly and try to address some of these uh, uh, questions the best we can. Um, first of all... As far as the unionization of cannabis workers in, is concerned, um, they did. Uh, there were about a hundred. Uh, I think they were bud tenders. They're all from uh, the, the Oakland area, if you recall, and they were bud tenders, uh, people that worked uh, for, um, in the dispensaries. Uh, people like if you would go in and say, "I want to get some certain kind of cannabis for whatever ailment you have," then those would be the people that wait on you. They're like and, tellers at the bank. Yeah. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, or like store attendants, bud tenders. Yeah, bud yeah. tenders. So his question was, what about uh, the the growers? And that's a good that's a good point because I do I do think that eventually uh, some of them will uh, be interested in in forming some sort of a trade union or guild. In fact, there's something you can go check out on the web. Um, it's www.unionlocal13.org. 
and uh, it's called Union Local 13. They're, they're, they're forming an agricultural cooperative. It, they call it a homegrown grassroots not-for-profit organization. And I like their little uh, slogan is, don't leaf us out, together we stand united. And so they're... Don't, uh, don't leaf us out? Yeah, isn't it? So <laughs> <don't laughs> it's a good play on words. Out. It is cool. It is cool. And this is, uh, this will feature cultivators, processors, distributors, and consumers. So uh, the growers would certainly be uh, a big a big part of that. And uh, it says on their website, as a group, we can become a force. As a group, we can lobby the government to treat us fairly. As a group, we can be in control of our own industry. We can set the standards of operation, quality, and regulation. And uh, he says, if we don't, you can bet they will. Let's not be left out and don't let our industry go the way of big business. Keep it grassroots. Encourage local cultivation, employ local workers, establish good working conditions, fair and affordable affordable fees, and easily accessible locations for collectives, and most important, keeping quality high and cost low for the patients who use our products. That all sounds pretty reasonable. So, yeah, and it sounds exactly like what uh, Clay was talking about. So, there you go. That's uh, that's one good example of Union, what is Union forming. Local 13? Yeah, it's called Union Local 13, and you can get them at Union Local 13.org on the web and read more about that organization. I'm sure there will probably be others, um, none that I'm aware of right now, um, but there's a, there's a, a high likelihood that um, unionization will be uh, of serious, uh, of profound interest to, to growers, um, in, at least in, in some of the, the bigger, more uh, busy states like California and uh, probably Colorado as well. Cool. That's a good question. Now, uh, for your second topic, this is also a good and timely issue, as the uh, saliva drug test is one type of drug test that's gaining in popularity. It's partly because this drug test does not require that the testers come in contact uh, with any body fluids like blood or urine, um, which you know is obviously what would happen with a blood test or a, uh, a urine a urinalysis. Another major advantage of the saliva test is that it's quick and it's easy to do. Since usually the sample is taken simply by swabbing the inside of your mouth. For example, you can go to one of these temp agencies, um, and they they can say, "We well, have to do a blood test, or you have to do a, a a drug test." And you can say, "Sure, when when should I show up for that, or where should I go?" And they'll say, "No, here, take this thing <laughs> and rub it in your mouth." And then you just give it to them, and they stick it in the there's like a a unit they stick it into, and it and it it's it's pretty uh it's pretty on the spot. So um, does it? Does it? I know urine detect urine tests detect uh, cannabis metabolites, and they can yes. stick around for as long as as long as like forty five days or even two months. What right. well, do you know about the saliva test? Yes, um, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Association (SAMHSA) provides guidelines for what qualifies as a positive drug test. If, it, uh-huh. if a test if a test does not give results higher than the guidelines, it does not qualify as a positive test. If, if an uh, immunoassay, immunoassay test gives positive results, then a second gas cr- chromatography mass spectrometry, known as a GCMS test, must also give positive results before a result of positive is announced. And there's a chart that you can go and, and check out. Um, it's on arrowid.org. And by the way, if you haven't been to this site, go there anyway. If you don't care about drug tests or you're in a self-employed situation and you're listening to this and it may be interesting, but it's not something that you're worried about, go. To, I would suggest you go to the site because it's so huge and it has tons of information. And you will definitely be interested in all the stuff they've got. But this is www.arrowid. It's E R O 
wid.org. Yeah, it's a, and then it's a fantastic resource. It certainly is. And go um, after the .org, it's a slash psychoactive slash testing. But you can probably go to the site and find your way to the, the um, drug testing stuff. So, so here on this, uh, on this uh, chart, on this, on this web page, it has information about detection periods. Um, and it lists the substances in order, blood, saliva, sweat, urine, and hair, from the shortest detectability to the longest detectability, which... Um, I don't know. It's kind of questionable on the way they did it, but but that that's just because some substances are lower or, or dissipate from your system faster than others. So there there might be some discrepancies. But in, in our consideration here, it lists tons. It lists alcohol, amphetamines, barbiturates, uh, benzodiazepines. I don't even know what that is. Uh, cannabis, cocaine, heroin, methamphetamines, and PCP. So it lists a ton of stuff, and so it's a good comparison thing for you. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, I bet marijuana stays in your system longer than most of those things, right? Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, and that would be our our only concern for for this uh, discussion would be the cannabis. And in that in that area, they do list two different uh, types: a single use and habitual use. Um, and for saliva, um, it says about twelve to twenty four hours for single or habitual use. So. That doesn't last very long as, on a, as far as a saliva test. I think for a, a saliva mouth test, there's, there's really pretty much no reason why anybody should ever fail that test. You know, your you're best bet. Unless they're high. Unless they're high right at the moment, yeah. And if, you know, if you're getting baked at work and you're subject to a drug test and you think there's a likelihood for a drug test to happen, then that's, I don't know. Arguably, that might be somewhat poor judgment in the first place. But, you know, I know there are situations where some people work in really uh, non-dangerous activities and it's pretty doldrum and and kind of boring. And I don't know, it's it's arguable that and I know it's against the law and I'm certainly not advocating that you smoke during work. But there's some positions that it's just almost a plus. It helps you helps you get through. So, you know, I understand there might be some listeners that go, hey, man, you don't know my situation, you know, and and I I can relate to that. And I'm aware. So that's just something to be uh, be aware of that. uh, For the most part, in, in typical circumstances, the saliva test if it's been a week or more since you last smoked, then anyone will pass a saliva test with or without a detox product. Um, saliva tests have a very short detection time. And depending on the type of test you're given, sometimes that detection period is only a few days. Um, so don't bother spending your money on outrageously expensive saliva cleansing products or any of that stuff. It all, they almost never work anyway, you know, and it's just really a waste. I think your, your, your best bet is really... Um, some some mouthwash, a small bottle of mouth cleansing agent, like you know, get get one of those like travel things that you can get for like a buck or something that's in like CVS or one of the major drugstores or wherever, you know, and just uh, carry that around with you, especially if you smoke during you know anytime close to when you're empl- you're at your place of work. And um, if you if you have fair warning, uh, just mm-hmm. don't don't smoke, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, abstain. Abstain just 12, for a few days. 12 to 24 hours. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, if, you, uh, if you rinse your mouth out really good, um, see, what they're doing is they're testing things that are in your mouth, in your saliva, on your mouth. So, you know, if you just clean, cleanse your mouth really well and make sure your saliva glands, like if you use that, uh, some, some good mouthwash, it, 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 it stops your glands for about 30 or 40 minutes. 
That means since the drug test can only detect drugs from your saliva, there's nothing in your mouth for the saliva drug test to test, really. So, you know, then, of course, there will be no negative test result, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, people that have tried this method of beating saliva drug tests have reported that it actually works pretty well. Even if you think you stopped taking drugs long enough before your saliva drug test that uh, there's no real threat, you may still want to have a bottle of, the, of some sort of solution with you um, just in case. It's always better to be, you know, play it safe. Um, as far as saliva tests, there's, uh, there is some difference between those and um, urinalysis tests other than the, the duration of which they stay in. Actually, the, the urinalysis, let me see, um, that's on this chart as well. For single use, um, about two or three days, it says, for uh, urine detection. And for habitual use or, or heavier users, 15 to 30 days. And, and, I've, and I've heard longer than that even. Yeah, I have. And, and keep in mind, you know, that's a, I'm glad that you mentioned that. This is a, this is a relative uh, set of figures here. This, they, they, I think somewhere in here they probably, hopefully they're smart enough to, to uh, uh, mention here that this range, it depends on the amount and the frequency of your use, your metabolic rate, your body mass, your age, overall health, drug tolerance, and your urine pH, different things. So it's different for different people. It can vary a little bit. This is just kind of a benchmark that we that we're, we're, we're going by here. Right. Um, the saliva tests are a little bit more expensive than urine testing, but they're less than hair or blood testing. Um, so if you're hopefully uh, hoping to get some of those for your home use to make sure you kind of pre-test, I know a lot of people um, take the precaution of pre-testing to they figure if they test themselves before they go in and they'll know what's up. <laughs> uh, it will be a little bit more expensive. They're um, considered relatively unintrusive, obviously. Um, they're becoming more more popular, more common, as I as I said. Um, one of the one of the bad things about it is that those are not accepted by the, for the DOT test. Uh, like Department uh, for, of Transportation? Yeah, yeah. So if you're, real, if you're, is that for uh, like commercial driver's license? Is that where you're getting yes, at? Yes, precisely. Okay. Precisely. And uh, so I don't think that those, those are not recognized, um, accepted as officially accepted for those tests. So be aware of that in case you might happen to be a commercial driver or truck driver or something. Um, ex don't expect to get a, a swab and it'll be over. But, you know, most of the guys that have their CDL licenses, they're aware. They, uh, it's pretty rigid. They're pretty tough on those guys. Mm -hmm. um, let me see. They're... Uh, mm -hmm. They can uh, detect more recent use than some other test methods. Um, some methods takes takes a while to get into your system for the certain types of, of tests that they do. Um, whereas a swab, if you have been totally clean and you just took a couple puffs, um, it, it'll already show up like really close after you do it, mm -hmm. um, immediately after you do it. And uh, versus so, a, a urine test might take a day to show up. Is that yeah? Uh -huh. Yeah. Exactly. And it might take a little bit of time to get in your blood. And, you know, the, the hair test is the longest. It, it right. can last that, man, up to like 90 days they can detect. Wow. So hopefully you won't be uh, subjected to one of those. Yeah, find a new job. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people are, are um, challenging these types of tests as being overly intrusive and against your uh, right to uh, uh, privacy. Um, is, in fact, the ACLU has lots to say about the issue as well. They, uh, they're talking about um, invasion and error of the test. They say, however uh, routine these drug tests have become, they're still very intrusive. 
And often another person is there to observe the employee, you know, because especially in urine tests, that's where that happens. It's kind of a plus to the swab test. <laughs> you don't have somebody staring at your business, you know, and they tell you, you know, I'm forced by law, by the, by the regulations to stare at your, you know, hoo-ha while you take a leak. So, that, so that they don't bring, you don't bring in a, someone else's pee. Is that it? Right. Or else, uh, yeah. That's that's generally how it works. Here, somebody else's urine or clean urine of some type, and have it, you know, typically in a uh, a condom or some kind of a, a device like that, and you know, they put it against their body and it keeps the temperature warm. Not trying to give you any ideas out there, but that's generally what I hear people do a lot. Um, so yeah, that's exactly why they they keep an eye on people. They did have a, a apparatus. It's a, kind of a prosthetic penis, <laughs> and it what? was called the it was called the Wizinator, and it looked. F- remarkably real <laughs> you a fake penis yeah i've heard stories of people actually waving it at the person that was washed i'm going hey get a big get a big uh, dose of that how are you liking it you like it staring at my wanker you freak you know they give them some hell and that's oh, pretty that's, uh that's pretty boisterous to, to pull that but to get away from it i get, or to get away with it it's got to be pretty uh funny and anyway that's uh yeah that had a connection a, a bag connected to it and but those have been discontinued they found those uh to be illegal and uh, that's really kind of startling. But I think those were taken off the market a couple years back. <laughs> Wait, the, the fake penis is illegal? The Wizinator. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, you can probably find those things somewhere on the web or somewhere, I would imagine. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really searched for one. But uh, <laughs> then again, I'm not subject to taking drug tests very much. You know, I get, I get good grades in my classes. So they figure, hey, if he's, I guess they figure if he's using drugs and it's working for him, I don't know what they're thinking. But, yeah, if I had to take drug tests, I would find one of those things somehow. I guess uh, you're not really doing anything personal, like putting it in your mouth or on your person or anything, you know, directly. So I guess a used one wouldn't matter, really. Huh. But, uh yeah, it's cool. Yeah. You can you can search that on the web. You can find probably videos on YouTube or whatever, you know, whatever video site you like, and probably come up with some uh, some images of that thing and uh, prepare to laugh. Be prepared to laugh. Yeah, that's classic. Yeah, but those work pretty good. Um, uh, and you know the the urine stuff is uh, I don't know. It's a uh, it's very highly disputed. Um, the 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 ACLU points out, and this is a great point because a lot of people have been arguing against this as well. The the lab procedure is a second invasion of privacy. Um, your analysis reveals not only the presence of illegal drugs, uh, but also the existence of many other physical and medical conditions. So you gotta realize that they're they're getting a window into a lot of your personal medical. Uh, information, including genetic predispositions to disease or pregnancy. They can find out if someone's pregnant. And that should be your own right to let people know that or decide whether you want to let people know about those things. Mm -hmm. They can detect diabetes. They can detect a lot of things. Wow. You know, and to give somebody access to all this and they might say, well, we're not looking for any of that stuff. Well, you know what? That's a that's a heck of a lot of trust that you're forced to put into some uh, somebody you don't even know <laughs> that has you know arguably they 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 really have somewhat of a uh, of an interest in in knowing this information. Um, in 1988, the Washington, D.C. Police Department admitted it used urine samples collected for drug tests to screen female employees for pregnancy without their knowledge or consent. Ouch! Now that's, that's not arguable at all. That's, that's wrong. You betcha. You betcha. So, you know, and furthermore, there's human error in the lab. 
there, that's just a general aware, uh, knowledge that we have. I and mean, we know that that's, that's true. You know, humans obviously are not infallible. There's naturally going to be human error. Um, the, the human error or test on the test failure to distinguish between legal and illegal substances uh, can make even a small margin of error add up to a huge potential for false positive results. Huh. In 1992, an estimated 22 million tests were administered. If 5%, just 5% of those yielded false positive results, which, which is a really conservative estimate of false positive rates, that means 1.1 million people could have been fired or denied jobs because of that mistake. Wow. And, you know, like uh, Clay point, uh, uh, intelligently pointed out, in some states, uh, failing a drug test can mean arrest. They can uh, charge you with uh, a cannabis offense for, for having it in your system. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's even worse. Than, I don't even than know what being... to say about that. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't that? It's really, really, really bogus stuff. Yeah. I tell you what, yeah, you know, cool. there's uh, claims of, of billions of dollars lost in employee productivity are based on guesswork. It's not real evidence. Um, drug abuse in the workplace affects a relatively small percentage of workers in, in truth. I mean, in, in 1994, uh, a National Academy of Sciences report found that workplace drug use, and I quote them, ranges from a modest to a moderate event or extent. Um, and they noted that uh, much of the reported drug use, quote, may be single incident, perhaps even at events like office parties. So it's not even really as pro prevalent as what they're trying to lead you to believe. You know, the fact is a lot of the prohibitionists and the people on that negative agenda, uh, if you do some digging and they make it hard for you, you got to really do some digging. And they kind of almost have to be one of those uh, investigative reporters or something, <laughs> you know. You, but if you dig far enough, you'll find it. And, and sometimes you don't have to dig that much, but you'll find that they're connected to this drug testing industry. They found ways to make a lot of money. And this well, yeah. is a multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, lots of things. Imagine all the people that do these kind of tests. You said 20 million people a year? Yeah, yeah. Um, about 22 million. It's estimated. Well, that's a 1992 figure. Oh, wow. It estimated 22 million people. So, you know, wow. since then, it's probably yeah, skyrocketed. Doubled. At least. Yeah, yeah but, totally. You know, these drug tests, they're really not work-related because they, they don't measure on-the-job impairment. A positive drug test only reveals that the drug was ingested at some time in the past, you know, especially with cannabis. You know, I could have smoked three weeks ago, and then they say, oh, you you know, you have cannabis, you know, abuse on the job. You're a danger to the job. Well, well that's, that's frivolous and, and ridiculous, you know, and uh, they just don't distinguish between occasional or habitual use or any of those uh, kind of things that matter in this situation. They just take this no tolerance policy. And if you have any connection or any indication that you're uh, you have cannabis in your system, then you're uh, you're an unwanted cannabis abuser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions. People bring up things about safety sensitive occupations. And, you know, of course, alertness and sobriety are imperative for certain occupations like train engineers, airline pilots, truck drivers and stuff like that. You know, nobody's arguing that. But even in these jobs, random drug testing doesn't guarantee safety. Um, firstly, drug related employee impairment and safety sensitive jobs is very rare. There's never been a commercial airline accident ever linked to pilot drug use. And even after a 1994 Amtrak incident, remember that, which uh, several lives were lost, investigators discovered the train engineer had a well-known history of alcohol, not drug abuse. So, Alcohol uh, is not a drug? 
Um, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely, I don't think that's an arguable point, actually. I think that's flat out misrepresentation. And I think that's kind of how we've kind of absorbed that into our culture yeah, absolutely. You know, and accepted it into our culture. And we need to correct that. It's one of the things that, you know, Alcohol people that are trying a huge to huge drug is one of the most, one heinous. Of the most horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> you betcha. You yeah. betcha right next to, uh, uh, nicotine, <laughs> but, uh, com- computer assistance performance test. They measure high-hand coordination, uh, hand-eye coordination, and uh, response time. Mm-hmm. They're much better ways of detecting whether employees are up to the job. Like NASA, for example, they've long used uh, task performance tests to determine whether astronauts and pilots are unfit for work, uh-huh. whether the cause is substance abuse, fatigue, or physical illness, or whatever or it may be. Emotional well-being. Yeah, you know, NASA's not going to send some, you know, dickwad that's baked on God's hoo-ha up in the shuttle to fly around the planet. You know, and they've had a pretty uh, perfect success rate with that. So it's a it's kind of a good demonstration of how, you know, they they we can learn from the things that we already know. I mean, can't we share this knowledge to people? Um, Drug tests really they don't prevent accidents because they don't address the root problems that lead to substance abuse in the first place. Good management and counseling can do that. So I would suggest that we change our course a little bit. You know, there's a there's this thing called employee assistance programs. EAPs, they help people that are facing different emotional health, financial, or whatever substance-related problems that can affect their performance. And the EAP counselors decide what type of help is needed. Um, They decide about staff support and patient uh, treatment for people, AA meetings, and stuff like that. In that context, the goal is rehabilitation and wellness and not punishment, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it works out best for everyone. But uh, it's a little bit about these... uh, these drug to various drug tests there. Um, I did, I did put that this is definitely a continuing thing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an industry that has been started, um, much like the, the prison industrial complex and the, the, actually a lot of the same investors are involved in all these different <laughs> sort of industries that have popped up at the expense of, uh, uh, our American population. And, uh, Drug drug testing is certainly one that doesn't seem to have any chance of going away anytime in the foreseeable future. Yeah, so, unfortunately. Hopefully that helped to yeah. address Jamie, some of it. Jamie, thanks for thanks for that research. That's some good stuff. Sure, sure. I got tons more, but you know, I don't want to bore everybody to death with all this stuff. But yeah, there's uh there's a lot of stuff out there. Um one quick mention I do want to include in here. There's a lot of things that can give false positives. Um in, in today's drug testing world, a false positive is defined as a drug-free sample falsely being reported as showing positive for whatever drugs they're testing for. And this can occur from a number of reasons, including like improper laboratory procedure, like we mentioned earlier, mixing up the samples, incorrect paperwork, um, and passive inhalation. If you ride into a concert with a bunch of people that are smoking like, you know, like the, the Cheech and Chong movies, you know, then that's, that's definitely a possibility. Everyone, but the most common, everyone was that the classic, the classic one, the poppy seeds, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually it would take a huge amount of poppy seeds. Some people say that's a myth because it would take so many, but actually it's not because if you, if you do ingest a lot of poppy seed stuff, what, what if you have the munchies and you're chowing down and stuff, it's realistic. I mean, some people say that based on the test, based on the, uh, the, um, how sensitive the, the type of test that you get, you know, that could, that could have a bearing on whether it picks that up and that'll, that'll put you out for heroin. <laughs> so that's a serious thing. Yeah. 
But uh, the most common cause of drug testing, uh, false positives, are cross-reactants. A cross-reactant, that's a substance which, because of its similar chemical structure to a drug or, or its metabolite, can cause a false result. And uh, there's a lot of them. For THC, um, there's several substances or condition, conditions which can, can cause false positives on a test. Um, this is just an abbreviated list. There's other things for sure. But uh, dronabinol, that's no, also known as Marinol, um, that can obviously uh, produce a false positive. Ibuprofen, um, like Al Advil, Nuprin, Motrin, Excedrin IB, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I know lots of people take those regularly. Um, Ketoprofen, um, Arutus KT, it's, it's known as, it's a pharmy. Um, kidney infection, if you have kidney disease or diabetes or liver disease, that can produce a false positive uh, for THC. Really? Uh, yes. Naproxen, for like is in the common over-the-counter uh, Aleve. Yeah, Aleve. Uh-huh. Um, Promethazine, um, Finnegan or Promethagen, uh, it's called also. Um, riboflavin, like B2 or hemp seed oil, that can produce a false positive. Um, as a matter of fact, I do recall, in closing out this section, I do recall one time when uh, I think someone from Normal was calling for uh, a new, a new um, kind of trend toward challenging certain drug tests. They said, if you eat hemp seed oil regularly in your diet, that makes you really smart, first of all, because that's like one of the most amazing uh, substances for hum- the human body. Yeah, it has it's a bunch so of healthy. amino acids and building blocks. Yeah. For- yeah, and it has some of the best and most potent amino acids and some that are not in other things like soybeans and stuff. So it's, it's really, it makes you smart to do that. But uh, if you do that, it could trigger, depending on how many nanograms they detect, if one of the more strict tests, it'll, it could show up. And if they do that, that could put you out of a job. And what you do at that point is say, this is wrong. I'm challenging this. And if you have an attorney to write up a letter, that's even that's that's preferable and say, I'm challenging this. You have to subject this to a gas chromatography, uh, the mass spectrometry test, which is a very pretty it's a pretty expensive test generally. Um, And and, and nine times out of 10, the company is not going to it's not going to listen to you. They're going to say bullshit, you know, and if you challenge them and you actually go get that test yourself and it shows that the nanogram levels are lower, you know, then. You could you could potentially challenge that as what would that be called like a false? Uh, they fired you for false purposes, and that's a huge lawsuit. That's a big deal. So I don't know if anybody's actually done that, but uh, yeah, it was interesting to read that. And I thought, man, I got to go get some hemp oil right away. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still I'm still uh, I'm still on that boat. I'm I'm definitely a big advocate for uh, including hemp oil in, in my diet, but uh, but not for that reason. So anyway, Clay, uh, thank you so much. And uh, for the rest of our listeners, please uh, send in some intelligent questions like that. We'd love it when you make us think and you make us look up stuff and, uh, you know, we can give you some some links to other more information. And it just makes everybody smarter, you know, and in and, and this type of an environment and this type of climate in this country, it uh, it makes everybody stronger. And that's what we what we're all hoping for. So cool. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. We got a uh, we got a couple other uh, questions from listeners this week, mm-hmm. um, and I think uh, for both Clay and for uh, these other two guys, Stanley and Sean, we're going to send them all copies of Reefer Madness uh, if they get back to us with their address. Very cool. Yeah, totally. We we've got a few of them around, mm-hmm. um, and um, 
I'm going to I'm going to read Stanley's email and uh, Sean, we're going to save your email for next week so we can we can get back to you with some more uh, with a better response than uh, we would be. We would if we we were to give you an unprepared response this week. Right. Um, But Stanley has uh, this to say. He says uh, he's a new listener from Washington State. Uh, I think the first person we've heard from from Washington. Awesome. Hey, Washington. Uh, He says, keep up the hard work. The show rocks. I listen to all three of your three shows. He likes our slogan. And he wants to know if we broadcast live when we're recording the show. And um, the answer to that is no, not yet. Uh, we would like to, and we're talking about it. Um, at, the, at the moment, it's kind of it's a matter. We, we have to be able to you know, schedule the show with our listeners if we're going to do that. And mm-hmm. um, uh, we, we just haven't been able to, uh, to find a really regular spot yet. Um, Working on that. Yeah, we're working on it, and um, maybe maybe this fall, maybe once we're back into a, a more regular schedule, we'll we'll try to do something like that. We'll definitely keep mm-hmm. you posted. Sure. Um, that was that was Stan's first email. He he sent us another email. He says, um, "I think there will always be a market for premium cannabis. Mass production of cannabis is never really going to be uh, to capture the quality of the best stuff you'll probably see from time to time," which I absolutely agree with. Um, Absolutely, says, me too. Yeah, he, he says uh, it will be like the microbrew industry that is really strengthening right now. People are mm. re- realizing that Bud Light sucks, uh, but the humble brewery <laughs> Hemp Ale is fantastic. And I, I, have, <laughs> I have to agree with that. Agree with that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is yeah. more American, in my opinion, to have the smaller shops than uh, that specialize. Maybe it's a Northwestern thing. I don't know, but thanks for the hard work. Um, mm. and yeah, Stanley, we're in full agreement yeah. with you. Um, yeah, yeah, excellent. Thanks for that, Stanley. Yeah, thanks for the email and thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you, we hope you continue to listen. You know, that's a good, that's a good, uh, comparison. It's like the, what did he say? It's like the microbrew. And that's makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We, we've talked about it. Uh, we've talked about the similarities between, um, you know, the, the micro cannabis industry and the microbrew or even the, the wine industry in the United States, uh, has some similarities to the, to the, the cannabis know, industry. That makes me feel a little bit more relaxed. I'm not as anxious worrying about, you know, no matter what happened, we were talking about the, I called it the Walmartization of weed <laughs> because of these huge warehouses that are starting to open up and all that uh-huh. stuff. And, and I just, my biggest fear is I just, what if someday I'm not a- ever able to find uh, Panama red or my favorites like super silver haze or, or Neville's haze or something like that. You know I mean? Oh my gosh, that would be a, That'd be an effed up world, I tell you. Yeah, you know, I think I think this culture has such strong roots that I, I, I think we'd be hard pressed to see that day. Yeah, I think uh, Mark Emery, uh, at least to, in large part, has his dream, and uh, we have overgrown yeah. the government. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So that's awesome. <laughs> a lot with, with in, in large part with t- due to his help. So that's a great thing too. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark, yeah, for kudos being, being a martyr. Hey, you know what? Um, I don't know if it'll work or how it'll fly, but I'm going to definitely try to contact Jody and see if she'll talk to us sometime in, a, in an upcoming show. That would be awesome to have Jody Emery on here. And then we, we frequently give updates for how Mark's doing. Maybe we can have her do one someday. Yeah, that'd be great. So let me give her a ring and see what we can do. But uh, so see how um, that works. Those are emails from listeners this week. Like I said, uh, Sean, we'll get back to you next week uh, and try to answer your questions. Absolutely. Um, About dispensaries. For- yeah, about dispensaries and uh, going about starting them and kind of the difference between Colorado and California. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anyone else that has questions, once again, email us, info at cannabisagenda.com or uh, call us at 707-654-CAN, C-A-N-N. Yeah. Any shout-outs this week? 
shout outs. Uh-huh. Anybody we want to say hi to? I want to say hi to my cousin, um, Suzanne, who uh, I, I dearly love. I should have announced her as my beloved cousin because she surely is, uh, is my favorite cousin on the planet. Um, she is the first person. She was getting in trouble when she was a teenager, and I was a little kid. And uh, I, uh, I walked up on it and heard them talking, and I demanded. They wanted to brush me off and tell me to go away. <laughs> and uh, she was getting a third degree. I didn't know why, and I, you know, I always cared about my cousin. For, you know, and I, I just refused to let them you know, brush me off. And eventually they pulled me aside. My mom explained she was using marijuana. And at that point I was a little kid, and I said, what's that? And you know, she, she told me it was this horrible thing. It'll make you insane. You'll drive your car off a cliff. I'll never forget that. You'll drive your car off, off a cliff and get in a car. It's horrible, awful stuff. That sounds, that, like, first... uh, that sounds like the DVD we're sending our listeners. <laughs> you know what? I think that's directly related to that DVD. And actually that propaganda campaign, that was one of the most successful I'm aware of in the history of our country, um, that you know those generations, which, be, which would have been her parents and grandparents, were just largely completely sold on that whole you know, rhetoric, false rhetoric. And uh, it just trickled down to her and she didn't know what's going on. Nowadays, she's, she's down with what I do and she understands things and she's a lot more open-minded. I know, I realize it's difficult for our parents to <laughs> kind of open up and, and listen to this stuff. I'm so glad they take that step to try to do that. But uh, yeah, I want to say hi to my, my cousin. I just contacted her, told her about the show. She said she's going to be checking it out. So if you are, Suzanne, I love you. And uh, I'm glad you're listening. Hope you, hope you dig the show. Cool. So, uh, hi, hi Suzanne. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I I think if uh, if our buddy Pot was on the show, he he would have a shout out. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he, let's share it for him. Yeah, sure. He was um down at uh, in Berkeley, California. Fish played a weekend run there three nights this past weekend, mm-hmm. and I understand he met a lot of uh, awesome people. One of whom uh, is a an organizer, uh, an activist in Colorado. Uh, her oh, name, cool. Her name is Laurel. Um, and she is passionate about having a cannabis economy where big business doesn't stamp out the, the little guys. Me and, too. Yeah, me, me three. And, I, uh, I already like Laurel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> pop, pop four. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Hi, Laurel. I uh, hope you're listening. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Um, uh-huh. Much love going out to Laurel. Keep up the good work. Keep yeah. up the good, uh, good efforts there. For sure. And speaking, speaking of Colorado... Uh, <laughs> We're going to renege on our promise to our listeners. Uh, last, last week, we, uh, we, well, two weeks ago, we did, an, we did a long segment on California and kind of went over the whole history of the medical and the marijuana situation there in general. And we promised our listeners that last week uh, we would do, um, do Colorado. And we didn't do it last week. And uh, we promised our listeners last week that we would do it this week. And right. Unfortunately, Pot is not feeling great. Uh, he's, yes. he's not here with us today, and uh, we're going to push it back one more week. Yeah, it's a medical necessity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, apologies to our listeners. We will get there. We're we're, yeah. get, we're getting our act together, and we're going to talk about Colorado in depth real soon here. Um, yep. If you're if you're from Colorado and you uh, you you know what the scene is like, and you'd like to sit in for the show, we we would welcome your attendance. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll stir around and see who we can, uh, maybe, uh, rustle up some folks for some input. We'll cool. see what we can work out. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess we can move on now. Yeah. Where are we headed? That's our, that was our housekeeping. <laughs> that was a lot mm-hmm. of housekeeping. It was a lot of housekeeping, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. You um, know, I, 
those listener questions are great. I think in the future, we might be able to do a whole show of them if we get enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very impressed with the the questions and the commentary that we've been getting. I yeah. mean, we definitely appreciate the nice, simple stuff like you, you your show rocks and we, we appreciate it. And thanks. And that, you know, we're not belittling that by all that. That's it's a great thing. But the, the actual structural questions that they're asking, man, they're, they're impressing me. I mean, Clay, Clay, good job, buddy. You threw me for a loop for a second there. I was like, man, I can't just stand up and start spouting off answers to that one. I got to <laughs> check into it. Got to do some and, research. You betcha. And I'm glad I did. That's a great thing. Cool. Um, yeah, so uh, what's going on in California, Jamie? California, ooh, some specious timing going on here. Uh, this was in, uh, reported um, in the Santa Cruz County Drug Policy Examiner by a gentleman, J. Craig Canada. He wrote uh, an article, Dennis Perone raided in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And he asked this question, why now? That is a question everyone's asking since Leland Cole announced August 5th um, the, on the on, on the afternoon of August 5th um, on Facebook that Dennis Perone had been raided at his, at his home in San Francisco. Now, if you don't recall who Dennis Perone is, he's the person that authored the Compassionate Use Act of 1996, for also uh, affectionately known as Proposition 215, otherwise understood as the medical cannabis uh, legislation uh, for California. Um, and he's regarded... Uh, in, in most circles as the father of the medical marijuana movement as such. Um, Cole is the founder, uh, Leland Cole is the founder and director of the International Cannabis Patients and Caregivers Clemency Project. And he reported that Perone, who was uh, recovering from a stroke, a recent stroke, suffered a seizure when the San Francisco Narcotics Squad broke down his door. Jeez. Um, yeah, he... Uh, Perone actually said that he didn't have a seizure but was having trouble breathing because of his condition um, because of a stroke in March. But uh, he, Perone says it was Detective Fagan that led the raid, which occurred at 3.30 on Wednesday, August 4th. Um, um, not Vegas or Vargas, as re- was reported in some other uh, media. He wants to be sure the name is spelled correctly. He said F A G A N in big letters. He printed that. <laughs> he said uh, Fagan was uh, the partner of the narc who shot Perone in 1978 and then justified the shooting in court by saying Perone's death would have meant one less faggot in San Francisco. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Perone claims both father and son are rabid homophobes. The timing is very suspect. Uh, the previous Sunday, um, uh, the 1st of August, uh, Mickey Martin, associate editor of West Coast Cannabis, announced Dennis Prone ends his campaign against Proposition 19, in which Steve Cubby claims he asked Perone to cease his criticism of Prop 19, that Perone had agreed to do so, which is a great thing, I think, for all. That's news in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, he said, I've asked Dennis Prone to cease his criticism of Prop 19, and he has agreed. Dennis gave me permission to make a public announcement, but I have also asked him to draft his own announcement as well. The blog was subsequently amended as various people contacted Perone and reported that he'd made uh, no such agreement, according to Keith Kimber. Um, but he said, Dennis said to me, and I suggest you call and verify for yourself, he doesn't want 19 to lose by too much, so he is done actively campaigning against it. Uh, campaigning being a key word. So I guess evidently he's still kind of against it. I don't know, but he's, he's agreed not to get out there and start pushing against it. So, um, 
anyway, the details of this are pretty, uh, pretty sketchy. Um, on Tuesday evening at about 10, 18 PM, um, Dragonfly, Dragonfly De La Luz, who wrote uh, a brilliant critique of Prop 19, announced on Facebook that she just got off the phone with Perone, and he told her he intended to actively resume his campaign against the initiative. The next day, Perone's door was battered in by the San Francisco Police Department. Um, Dana Beal and David Malmo Levine, who are obviously big figures in this movement, uh, considered an attempt on his life based on the reports that Perone was roughed up. He said they were, Perone said that while there were 15 narcs and they battered down five of his doors, they didn't rough him up. <laughs> Sounds like being roughed up just by that. <laughs> but uh, however, he wants to make sure that the detective's name is spelled correctly. Fagan, F-A-G-A-N. <laughs> that's that's he, the best part. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he, he right now, uh, Perone's known, he runs the world's only bud and breakfast called the Castro Castle. Um, he says there were 12 people boarding in the house at the time, and they were all arrested and spent a night in jail. So uh, I, I guess I wasn't aware of this. Uh, Dennis Perone is campaigning against Prop 19? He has been, yeah. yep. Um, I read some of his critiques and why. Um, he had some points that seemed like they were worth checking out, but I don't, I don't share his viewpoint on this one. You know, I'm certainly, obviously, I think a lot of people are immensely grateful that he you know, started the whole two pro, uh, prop 215 movement and all that stuff but yeah i don't i don't agree with uh some of his opinions respectfully i disagree with some of his things but uh you know he uh i don't know he's got his right to his own opinion as well of course yeah so yeah so that's cool but yeah that's uh it's kind of interesting you know i mean this is the partner of well how did they say that it was the he was the the partner of the guy of the narc who shot him in 1978. So that's, uh, I don't know. It's pretty creepy how that, how that, how that went down. But anyway, um, evidently he's okay. And they'll undoubtedly be, uh, fighting this thing in court where it should be, uh, handled in the first place. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, you're always subject to the possibility of getting raided or attacked if you're openly um, associated with cannabis. Ain't what else is going on? It yeah. is, unfortunately, the truth. Um, more stuff in California? Yeah, well, we're, more Prop 19 stuff. I, I, I think we're going to get into this, um, you know, well, obviously, we're, we're going to get into this a lot. We've, we've already gotten into this a lot, uh, and there's, there's a few more months before the election. Um, but basically, we have, we have two different camps in California that are against Prop 19. We've got um, the cops and the prison guards on one side, right? Mm-hmm. And the people who are against Prop 19 because they see it as an a- attack on their employment or their li- livelihood. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the, uh, the, the I, I guess, the stoners who are against Prop 19 that think it's an attack against their livelihood uh you know the the growers or you know whoever whoever they happen to be right um and there so there are two different websites for both of these groups the 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 cops and the prison guards have a website at stopprop19.com and um we're gonna we're gonna play a commercial from uh their website which isn't quite completed yet but uh um the, the website is not the commercial is um and 
I, I hope that next week or very soon we're going to kind of dissect uh, some of the arguments made at the, the, the stoner anti-19 website, which is stop19.com. Mm. Um, but uh, Pete Geither, who writes the, the Drug War Rant blog, does an excellent um, deconstruction of this, uh, this television mm. ad. Uh, and I'd like to play it for you. Um, there, there are no words to the ad. It's all um, words on the screen printed over some scary music. So I'm just going to read the words uh, along, along the scary music so our listeners can kind of get the feel for the commercial. Awesome. All right, here we go. The number one addiction, 60% of teens in drug rehab, a gateway drug to cocaine and meth. Four times more mind-altering than in the 1970s. 50 to 70% more cancer-causing than cigarettes. Marijuana. What's good about legalizing it? Nothing. Oh, man. Passage of Prop 19 would mean... Marijuana could be sold in grocery stores. Skyrocketing usage among teens and young people. (laughs) Drug driving on streets and freeways. Higher costs for everyone and addictions soar. Marijuana operatives could buy thousands of acres of farmland. Prop 19 (laughs) means... Messed up minds, messed up lives, messed up families. California out of control. Is this the kind of California you want? Don't buy the lie. Pledge your opposition now. StopProp19.com. Don't let California go to pot. A project of SaveCalifornia.com. Campaign for children and families. <laughs> oh my God. That's hysterical. <laughs> Did you like and my reading really of that? Whoa, I'm speechless. Did you like my reading of that? You think it was... Very well done, sir. Thank yes, you. Thank I you. very much enjoyed that. <laughs> but uh, the content was kind of alarming. It was, it was, it shook me. Um, really? Pete Geither over at Stub. Uh, is I'm that, sorry. is that the, which one is that? Who's that back by? Is that the, the stoner one? Oh, no, that is not the stoner one. Thank God. I, the, I don't think they have the, they have the money to put together something like that. That's the yeah. prison guards one. Uh, yeah. For, for children and families. <laughs> um, Pete Geither over at Drug War Rant does an, a real good deconstruction of this commercial. And I mean, he just, tears apart like every everything about there and is it is a lie or is intentionally misleading um for example uh the number one the number one the first thing they say is the number one addiction for 60 percent of teens in drug rehab which which is a lie um as pete pete writes as we've seen time and time again the presence of individuals in rehab is not an, uh, an indication of addiction in fact those people are usually sent there by drug courts um, and not, they're not self-admitted. They have to be there uh, because they got caught. Um, mm. So this, this whole, uh, the number one addiction for 60% of teens in drug rehab is, is totally, totally uh, BS. Yeah, it misrepresents court-ordered people. And then the, the gateway drug thing is the next thing. And we all know that, I mean, if, there's, if anything is a gateway drug, it's, it's freaking alcohol and cigarettes. But You bet. I mean, the whole gateway drug theory in my mind is is just ludicrous um, political lies yeah that's totally. a gateway drug totally uh four times more mind altering than in the 1970s um you know i i don't think that's the case uh 
Pete writes, it's intentionally misleading. The fact is that THC levels have varied throughout time, uh, but mm -hmm. smokers tend to self-titrate to get the effects they desire. Um, Absolutely. He, he says, it's like saying that scotch is four times more mind-altering than beer. Uh, but you can't drink a six-pack of scotch. Right. You know, you would die from an overdose. Yeah. yeah, and you know, if you overdosed on very strong cannabis, you wouldn't die at all. Right. Uh, 50 to 70% more cancer-causing than cigarettes? That's just a blatant lie. Um, marijuana is not cancer-causing. Study after study has, has shown this. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, there, there have been some studies that show that marijuana is um, cancer-preventing. Yeah. The, uh, can I can I add something there? Oh, please. What was it? D Donald Taskin. It's one of my favorite studies because NIDA ordered it, and they do it under the pre of the under the the premise. Well, at least inner office premise. I don't think they advertise it to anybody, but th they intend. That, and it's obvious to a lot of people. I mean, they intend to, to pound a nail into the coffin of this whole argument and put it to rest. And what they did was they commissioned a study that showed the causal uh, connection to between cannabis and lung and throat cancer and they they commissioned one of the best most well-respected world-renowned uh researchers in this area donald taskin from ucla for the for the purpose of credibility so whenever they really got this result that showed this it would be you know above uh you know what would you call that rapport repute and uh they came back he said not only did they not find any causal connection um, between cannabis and lung cancer, uh, not even with the old like smoke bags, man, those old heads that have been smoking for 40 or 50 years heavily every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not only with, not only, not even in, in those guys, but he said they found some evidence that has potential that could potentially lead them to, to find that uh, it, it attacks and kills uh, certain types of cancer cells. So, I mean, that's if, if that's not a credible, it's an, it was like an eight-year study. It cost millions of dollars. I mean, if that's not credible, you know, study, then I don't know what is. Thanks, Nida. Yeah, thanks, Nida. We love it when you do these things over and over again. Somebody got fired over that one. So he goes, he, Pete goes on. He says uh, in, in, in response to the ad, the ad says, uh, passage of Prop 19 would mean skyrocketing usage among teens and young people. Mm. But you know what? Uh, an unregulated drug market allows easy access to these substances to teens and young people, for teens and young people. A regulated, yeah. a regulated market would make it harder for teens and young people to access them. Go, go, into, go into high Point. school and ask, him, ask, him, uh, ask, ask a, a student, which is it easier for them to attain, cannabis or alcohol? They'll almost instantaneously, emphatically reply, oh, weed. Yeah, absolutely, because they can talk to their buddy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Everybody knows who's got it and where to get it. Yeah. Um, putting, putting cannabis in, uh, in a regulated system would, would prevent that. Mm -hmm. uh, goes on. Uh, passage of Prop 19 would mean higher costs for everyone as addictions soar. And, well, this, <laughs> this goes back to the addiction thing, for one. But higher costs is, is not true. This would mean lower, lower costs because we wouldn't have to pay for all the uh, law enforcement for the uh, mm -hmm. imprisonment for the drug treatment for for all of this BS that we're spending money on now. Um, yeah, this yeah. this is fear mongering. This is classic fear, uncertainty, classic. and doubt. Yeah, yeah it looks it's, like they're dredging up a lot of the old talking points. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I, I they work apparently. Um, 
that's yeah you know they've got the fear already there yeah. that you know they it's still a, it's still a kind of a sensitive button they can push they're gonna so, push it till it's null <laughs> yeah it's numb and there's no reaction we're, we're gonna we're gonna get a lot more commercials like this i have a feeling you know yeah i think so it's gonna be a fiasco a yeah. real circus um i think that's the primary i think that's the primary gateway <laughs> uh, pro- negative gateway effect that happens is that that uh, authorities that we're supposed to invest our trust in, we should reasonably be able to uh, invest our trust in, are are continuously bombarding us with intentional misinformation, and and firmly asserting it as the truth in effort to sway our opinion or control or manipulate how we think. Mm-hmm. And people are onto that, and they've been onto it for a long time. And it's not just cannabis related, but that's what we're focused on here. But I mean, in a general sense, and when yeah. people see their leadership doing that, what message does that send, and how does that affect how people uh, appear or, or approach their connection as an American citizen and, and their connection with our government and our leadership? Yeah, I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it tells me. It says, uh, uh, "Don't trust me. I'm the government." Yeah, these people are full of shit, and I can't trust the people that I'm supposed to be able supposed to put my to. trust. Yeah, absolutely. I'm supposed to be the most credible and trustworthy people that we have, and yet they're they're falling off. You know, it's never too late um, to change that. But you know, in order to do that, there's going to have to be some sea changes happening in the in the in the kind of people that have been sitting on there for multiple terms over and over for for the last 50 you know we're having a big party because this person's retiring served the the congress well for 53 years you know you see all this stuff happening all the time it's like what <laughs> why the first thing i say is why that's it's just asking for you know yeah more lies and, and nefariousness anyway um huh. thanks thanks pete geither uh if, if you don't read yeah. uh drug war rant Pete Geither's blog, uh, you should, because he, he does That's a great. real, real good job at uh, deconstructing mm-hmm. some of these things that come out. Yeah, Geither's a smart guy. Yeah. Sure. Wow, thanks for that. That was interesting. It was kind of scary that I didn't know <laughs> once you started that thing, I was like, whoa, my heart was like, oh, what the dun, hell's going dun, on? Dun, 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 <laughs> I was like, I'm scared. Yeah, I think that was what they were going for. Isn't that something, man? If you if you can't just get out there and say, look, this is who we are, honestly, and this is what we're talking about, you use your own wisdom and intelligence and go and check these things out and vet them properly, properly, and find out what the truth is. Yeah, you know, I, if you can't, if you can't stand on its own like that, then it's it's likely bullshit. I hope I hope that people are waking up to things to you know tactics like this. Because yeah, I mean, they, they they are effective, and that's why they're used. But uh, you know, if if people do wake up to them, they will lose their effectiveness. That's exactly right. It's kind of like that. Remember that old movie, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, with Freddy Krueger in it. <laughs> and at the end, she's like, you know, screw this. You know, you know, he's just a, he's in my imagination. Uh-huh. So she like faced him, and he like came at her and just dissipated into the dust. It kind of would have. I think that's a good metaphor. It would kind of be that way. It would be it would be kind of like that if you yeah. just face this stuff and, and it, it can't exist without us allowing it. Yeah, to. Ab- absolutely. So, so cannabis world, wake up and re- with respect and much love to all of you out there that are wide awake and striving within this situation. Uh, please wake up your friends and others that may not be. So we can all get involved with this and make this nonsense go away. I'm sick of people being hurt for no reason. 
So, um, airports. You ever try to take pot to an airport? Airportos. Oh my gosh, that could be a disaster. <laughs> this is a great story. I was really happy to hear about this. Airport security used to be the end of the line for travelers holding medical marijuana. They thought it was great. They had their ID card. They had some good meds. Walking along. Uh-oh, shit. I'm going to the airport. That's a no-no. Until now. Now some passengers report airports and TSA looking the other way. Medical marijuana patients reported no problems as they boarded with carry-on luggage and cannabis plants through airports in states that were both medical marijuana friendly and not. However, um, officials with the THA, uh, TSA say it isn't in their jurisdiction. TSA leaves it up to local law enforcement, and officials say they call local authorities to handle all known cases involving uh, individuals in airports that are carrying medical marijuana or cannabis plants. Mm-hmm. Um, a TSA spokesperson, what Plant? were you going to say? Plants, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where it is, and I should have got this. Uh, I should have uh, captured this web address, but you can probably search this issue, uh, medical marijuana and airports, I guess, Google it. And you'll, you'll find this link and, and it has a video of this dude. And he's, he's in the airport with like one of those push carts with his luggage on it. And he's got a plant sitting on top of it <laughs> and they're filming him. And he goes, he goes through the airport and then he gets on the plane. He's sitting in his, in his airline seat and he's got the plant on his lap. What? And it's like a foot, foot and a half tall and it's got leaves and everything and it's awesome i was like you gotta be kidding me nobody messed with him at all yeah uh one tsa spokesperson Dwayne baird uh commented quote state laws supersede what we would do in the aviation sector and it would be up to the local law enforcement officials to determine the action they would uh take based on whatever the person was trying to bring on board an aircraft so i guess um if you if you were going from say California to Washington State, that they would both have cannabis laws, and I don't know if that would be that much of a, a risk as much as say if you're coming from California to Illinois and you're flying into Bloomington Airport. Yeah, that that's <laughs> Central <laughs> Illinois Ooh. Regional. Ooh. We recently reported about the sports star. Oh, getting... dude, don't say that. That makes me nervous. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of more iffy. But but uh, Jason Christ uh, with Cannabis Cannabis Care says, quote, people don't know where to get seeds. They don't know where to get clones. They're afraid to drive through states to go through California to Montana, say, to get a good strain from California. I would have to drive through Oregon and through Idaho, which don't recognize medical marijuana, um, which, which Idaho, which doesn't. Um, they'll take you to jail. And uh, end quote. He's right. You know, we all know about Idaho and uh, and Utah, <laughs> but uh, many medical marijuana patients view the ability to pass through airports with their cannabis plants as part of new regulations. TSA says there are no new regulations. Um, however, medical cannabis patients claim airports, TSA, and local authorities never would have allowed them in the past to pass through them through airports. Uh, with their plants. Now the culmination of local authorities and other airport authorities have allowed it at multiple destinations. Hmm. Medipot carriers noted a common theme amongst the local law enforcement response. It's a response that deemed it okay to carry the cannabis plants through airports as long as the starting and final destinations were medical marijuana friendly. Let's, let's just note that going from state to state does make it interest, interstate travel. And, and so you bet. Yeah. 
be careful if, if you're going to try this, people. Even if you're going from a state with medical law to another state with medical law, yep. you're, the federal government might be interested in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make sure we also get out there that, you know, this is not, we're absolutely in no way advocating that you do this necessarily. It's just a very interesting and relevant story to the conversation that we have on this show. So we wanted to point it out to you. And by all means, if you consider doing something like this, make sure you're fully responsible for your actions and Google this and, and investigate what you're doing and make an informed choice before you, you know, take any action that might put you in, into jeopardy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But that's interesting, huh? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, you know, I actually, this is not the first time I've heard of this. I, I think the uh, San Jose Mercury News, I think even Report. even a, a year ago or so, they re- reported something similar to this. Yeah, in some airports, it's a, little, it's a lot different. I think San Francisco has been a lot different in, uh-huh. in this um, for a long time. I knew somebody that was, uh, their friend was going through, the, it was like, shoot, in the early 90s, he was going through uh, the airport, and he he wasn't the wisest uh, nut in the in the bunch, but uh, he uh, he took like a pound, or a, I think it was a quab, a quarter pound or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of weed, you know. Like anybody would go, "What are you thinking?" But anyway, the <laughs> the guy that worked at the airport, he goes, um, he comes up into his ear, and he's like, um, "Did you have some uh, medicine with you?" <laughs> kind of tipping him off, you know, and he goes, um, he had to think like at mock speed. He's going, um, and he, and he shakes his head like, yes. And he goes, okay, well, we went ahead and removed that for you. Okay. And he goes, okay. <laughs> oh, and he, he just went right through and he didn't get in any trouble. So yeah, it's interesting. They, re- they removed it. So he didn't get it back though, either. So it was still a major bummer paying the ass. Yeah. And they lost a crop or whatever. I think it was more than that. It was like three quarters of a pound of weed. Ouch. But uh, yeah, ouch. that's a that was a big ouch, you know. And I mean, I don't know. At that point, he was so scared shitless <laughs> that he, he just shook his, like, yes, okay, good, thank you. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Getting the hell out of here right now. Yep. <laughs> Got on the plane and flew on out of there. But uh, yeah, so, you and, know. And that, and that TSA person had a wonderful afternoon. I'll bet you his whole crew had a great afternoon, yeah. But you know, whatever, it's cool. I guess it's kind of a give and take. In that case, I would <laughs> yeah, much literally. rather have that outcome than yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Hey, well, we have uh, more in the national news uh, scene. This is a great, a great story as well. I'm getting so lucky with these stories today. Usually, I get all the bummer things. And he was 16, and he just got straight A's, and they shot him. You know, <laughs> I hate having those stories. Unfortunately, that happens too much. But this is not one of them. This is a positive thing. We've talked about LEAP before. LEAP is law enforcement against prohibition. If by some crazy anomaly you don't happen to know about these dudes, go on their website, um, leap.org. They have a. This is from their blog. It's uh, cops say legalize.blogspot.com. That's uh, cops say legalize.blogspot.com. And if you go to there, awesome, awesome. And uh, so you can go to this site and find this this story yourself. But Police Magazine runs pro-legalization article from Leap. Leap is fantastic. Leap is comprised of people, well, their executive director, he's uh, a... He was a former Maryland narcotics cop. His name is Neil Franklin. Really awesome dude. He... uh, he was a, a major, actually, in the uh, high, very high ranking in the, uh, Mar- uh, I believe it was the Maryland uh, State Troopers. And uh, 
he uh, they take a look at, at, at uh, take a look at this uh, this this article. It's a uh, it's a lengthy op-ed piece by um, Neil Franklin, and it appears in the latest issue of what's called the Journal. And this is the big part. It's a magazine distributed, uh, kind of a trade magazine, I guess you could call it, a uh, law enforcement magazine. And it's distributed to nearly every police chief and sheriff in the United States. And uh, they post a full text of the article um, it, uh, below this story that talks about it. And uh, I believe they posted an image. You can click on it and blow it up and, and, and check it out. And I, I would encourage everybody to do that. It's, uh, it, it's titled Police Group Questions War on Drugs. And undoubtedly, it has some very sound and intelligent information coming from their peers that they respect. So it's from inside the blue, what do they call that? The blue curtain. I don't know how they say it, but <laughs> they have that, you know, that code of silence that they say they definitely don't have. Be- behind but, the, is, it, is that really a term like behind the blue curtain or something? Blue. Yeah, the blue wall. Yeah, something. Wall. I don't know. How to say it. But you get the gist of what I'm getting at. And anyway, they're, they're from the inside. You know, they got the inside scoop. I mean, you know, they've got Norm Stamper, former police chief of uh, uh, Seattle, Washington, um, Gosh, there's a whole bunch, a whole slew of them. They're all professionals, and uh, they're all uh, mostly retired, um, high-ranking, well-respected police uh, officials. So pretty interesting stuff. Check it out. That's, uh, that, that's awesome. The gist of it is that it went to uh, nearly every police chief and sheriff in the U.S. Hey, that's huge. That's a big deal. Yeah, awesome. Like I said, I'm lucky with these articles. That was a great story. I'm glad that that's happening. So we'll uh, put that link up there on the website in case, you know, don't stress and try to re-listen to it and write it down and all that junk. Just go to CannabisAgenda.com and you can pick up all that nifty info, links to the info anyway. Um, So, yeah, what's up? Uh, We got some stuff going on out east. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't get a whole lot of news from the east coast, but... um... Is it like a southern country or a southern state? Well, I I think North Carolina is actually above above the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah, Uh, they're southerners. (laughs) They're southerners. Below or above? They're above, I believe. But they're southerners. I've been to North Carolina quite a bit. They're southerners, huh? They're fantastic people. are, um, Are we Yanks? To them, we're Yanks. Huh. Yeah, we're right. Yanks. Then they're Southerners. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, they were split. Is that correct? I don't know. I don't want to get too much into history and, and misquote that. Yeah, but I thought there was <laughs> there was a mix, I believe, in the Civil War. But yeah, they're uh, yeah, we're Yanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're 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 friendly Yanks now. We all get along good. But, but uh, yeah, North Carolina has some pending legislation for medical marijuana. Is that right? Yeah, positive stuff. I think so, yeah. And um, Tell me. the the Democratic Party there is uh, is backing backing it. Um, Huge. This is this is through mapinc.org from uh, the Richmond County Daily Journal. The Daily mm-hmm. uh, the Democratic Party State Executive Committee passed a resolution supporting the legalization of medical marijuana at its convention Sunday in Fayetteville. Awesome. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, the vote came after yeah. a speech from uh, Richmond County resident and uh, party official Perry Parks. Uh, it was the vote was nearly unanimous, and uh, the mo- the mood of the room left no doubt what party leaders expect of those they sent to Raleigh. Uh, so that's that sounds really positive. Um, yeah, go. What is that? North Carolina Dems. Man, I didn't yeah. know, even know about the story. Yeah, uh, they're 
This is in response, uh, uh, I guess, in regards to North Carolina House Bill 1380, which mm -hmm. uh, stalled out last term. It, it uh, didn't have the number of votes it needed. Um, and uh, it will be reintroduced uh, in the next uh, session. Uh, and mm -hmm. yeah, ho hopefully it'll have some more support. Thanks to I'm the familiar with that. It was, it was it again? SB, uh, it's, there's it's a House Bill HB 1380. Okay, and I thought there was a 1383 oh. as well. Oh, um, I'm, I don't see that in the story, but I think I remember no. reading that, yeah. Yeah, it was referred back to their uh, rules committee. I, I'm familiar with that legislation. I had no idea this story was going on. Jamie, tell is us all any... about it. <laughs> um, is there any more? Uh, I don't see anything about 1383 in the story I'm reading here, but you're, I, I no. remember hearing about it. Oh, man, that's awesome thing. Um, yeah, I don't actually recall what the legislation was about. I was watching it uh, in hopefulness for quite a while, and uh, then when it when it kind of it didn't die out, it didn't go away. It's kind of like uh, when we talked to Jay earlier in the show. He was talking about uh, some legislation in Wisconsin. He said people get the wrong idea and think it went away. It's right, dead, right. but it's not. And it's similar with this one. Um, that's a uh, what it's, was it called again? It's, it's 1380, right? 1380. Yeah, it's it's what happened when a bill doesn't have enough support to um to make it for a vote, right? Yeah, but it's but it's important enough to the people that are pushing it through that they don't want to let it die down, so they send it back to a uh, a rules committee. Uh -huh. It's kind of like I pointed out uh, many shows ago about our Illinois legislation. It's not dead. It just kind of. Think of it like this in a way. It kind of just went and found a little hollowed out log to hide in and stay safe for a while until it's <laughs> till it's till it's called up, right. till its time is ready. Right. But uh it's their it's their medical marijuana act for uh for for North Carolina. And beyond that, I don't remember you know the details about it, but it, it, it seemed pretty good. It seemed like it had a reasonable amount of support, but man, I didn't I have no idea that the the Dems were gonna come out strong for the they're getting it. You know what? I think they may just be catching on to this. Maybe that's yeah. going to be uh, set a precedent for Democratic uh, parties, you know, Democratic organizations around the around the country. Yeah, and especially especially in the South, we don't have a lot of uh, Southern states with uh, medical marijuana law. God, who thought it would happen? Hey, you know what? I have a I have a I have one. Are we ready for the next one? <laughs> yep. This is from the South. This is from Georgia. Can you really? believe it? No, I, no. Wait, wait. We're going from <laughs> North Carolina medical marijuana to Georgia medical marijuana? It's awesome. That is awesome. Yes, this is very, 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 very awesome. This is a create uh, a very courageous woman, uh, Rossville. She's from Rossville, Georgia. Um, the story is uh, Rossville woman's push for medical marijuana legislation uh, gains. So she's getting somewhere. Um, story starts out, um, is, uh, is Georgia ready for medical marijuana yet? Heather Bowles of Rossville thinks so. Bowles is gathering signatures to petition legislators to legalize medical marijuana, like neighboring states that have pushed for legalization, including Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, Kansas, and Nebraska. Bowles, who has collected more than 2,000 signatures for the cause, wants the state to consider the medical benefits of cannabis sativa and join the other 14 states that already have medicinal marijuana facilities. I don't think Nebraska neighbors Georgia. Yeah, not really. Um, I don't think that in any way, case, or way, shape, or form that it does, but 
I don't know, maybe somebody was lighting up some really serious bud before they wrote the story. <laughs> Probably. But the gist of it, she said, uh, they quote her, uh, I would like to see blanket legalization, but I realize that there's a responsible way about going about things. And I think the best way to test the waters and see if our citizens have the ability for freedom to choose um, is this route. Um, and she said, Georgia is in a unique position to look at other state policies and construct a policy that is on the forefront of compassionate care it is really about our right to choose what is right for our own bodies, end quote, right which I think is awesome. She yeah. uh, Bowles is a, allergic to morphine, and so she believes that marijuana should um, be reclassified from a Schedule One substance where heroin and cocaine are grouped so that she would be able to uh, use it. And she has some, uh, some good information. She quotes that not a single death or injury has been reported from putting marijuana into the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as, as many millions of times as I've heard that and said it myself, I've never really heard it that way. Putting marijuana into the human body, that's pretty, uh, pretty raw and down to earth, but she's right. And most people that are involved with this movement know that. Um, Bowles is a student at Georgia Northwestern Technical College's campus in Walker County. She believes that prohibition does not work and if medical marijuana helps individuals with sickness and diseases, then those individuals who abide by the law should have a right to use marijuana for medicinal purposes. She says, quote, it's an uphill battle, but I feel like it's worth it. <laughs> it is worth it. Keep it up. Good work. Yes, absolutely. Heather Bowles, God bless you. Yeah. We love you from here at Cannabis Agenda. Great. Best, best wishes coming out from the show here, from all of us here at the show. Keep up the fight. Man, what an amazing, good, positive story that is. So, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Who would have thought I would be reporting some positive stuff happening in regards to cannabis legislation in Georgia? <laughs> Georgia. Yeah, positive cannabis news from Georgia. Yep, who, so who there you go. Yeah, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? But, you know, it, it's just kind of uh, the nature of the issues that we cover here that, you know, sometimes we're going to get lucky and have a string of really positive, upbeat kind of uh um, stories or issues to talk about. And then again, reality sets in and you realize that it's not all going to be positive. And of course, we're going to have some negative stuff in there as well. And uh, I don't know how negative really you should read into this particular one. Um, this is a story about uh, Nevada. Uh-huh. And we've talked about it before. It's more or less uh, an update, I think, for the most part. But uh, so far, the, the, you know, there's a, they're trying to get the initiative on the ballot. Um, in Nevada, will this will this be the third time it's been on the ballot? Uh, at least, at <laughs> least, I think it might be. It might even be uh, more than that. But yeah. I know it's it's probably at least the third time. But yeah. you know what? In fairness to them, I think they were had a. And this is in in coach with uh, MPP is largely uh-huh. involved in this movement. Uh-huh. Um, but it 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 was really headed in the right direction. Um, I think they were, I think previously they were also, they were also affiliated. It's marijuana policy project and the local affiliate there is called Nevadans for sensible marijuana laws. But, uh, I think that, uh, they were, they, they were near a majority or at least it was, there was a huge potential for it to pass, um, last time. And, uh, John Walters was the drug czar then. Oh my gosh, he'll be the infamous Dick Cheney of drug czars. And uh, anyway, he uh, he flew in right before the vote, of course. Yeah, I remember that. He totally campaigned on the on the government's dollar. 
Yeah, and he flew in there on the big jet with all his staff and all that and didn't report it, and they're forced to report that. And and so MPP uh, struck up a lawsuit against him for that in, 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 uh, in representation of the people, people's interest. And I don't know where it's – I think it's buried in the bureaucracy and still kind of trying to chug its way into life, but uh, it's been filed officially. And uh, anyway, there was a, just a horrendous wreck. I mean, absolutely horror movie, awful fatalities. It was really gory, a lot of people involved. And one of the, the, the young lady that they, they blamed the wreck on, they found metabolites in her, in her system. So that was his big pitch. He flew in at the last second with his staff, and they said, this is what happens. You know, it's kind of like, it reminds me of that music of that thing you read a little while ago, <laughs> you know, in, in effect, that's kind of, yes, exactly, in that boom, boom, weird boom, grinding boom, sound. Boom, and all that weird. Yeah, it's awful, blood-curdling stuff, just horrible. And and that's kind of how they, they try to appeal to people through, they, they just, it's manipulation through yeah. fear. Fear, and, fear tactics, yep. And it worked, it worked enough. I mean, these are sensible people that we would probably um, appreciate and respect and you know it's no no real necessary blame against them i mean obviously they just reacted you know in a human way and went oh my gosh and it scared them into voting the other way and it didn't really get defeated by that huge of a margin so they're trying it again and unfortunately so far uh, a, a poll conducted last week suggests that despite uh, the brutal recession and now a chronic state budget crisis that's happening in Nevada. Nevada residents still aren't quite ready to regalize, uh, legalize and tax cannabis. Um, the, bull, the poll comes as the Marijuana Policy Project and its local affiliate, Nevadans for Sensible Marijuana Laws, are in the midst of signature ga- gathering campaign to put a pot legalization initiative on the November 2012 ballot. Yeah. Um, oh, 2012 then, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, a Las Vegas review. News Now poll found that 52% of likely voters opposed legalizing and taxing marijuana, while only 42% uh, openly supported it. Legalization found majority support only among Democrats, where they were at 53%, and independents at 51%, while 69% of, yep, you guessed it, Republicans opposed it. Among men, only 45% supported legalization, uh, with that figure dropping to 39% among women. Um, the overall support level is similar to that achieved with legalization initiatives that went on before the voters in 2002 and the 2006 instance that I was referring to. In the former, um, 39% voted to free the weed, while in the latter, figures inched up to 44%, you know, even with their ridiculous scare tactics. I think, uh, I'm not sure which one that happened, but one of those two. Um, but... It's uh, it's not enough to win in 2012. Nevadans for Sensible Marijuana Laws campaign manager David Schwartz told the Review Journal his group has a lot of work to do. Quote, public education is going to be the big part of what we're doing, said Schwartz, who needs to get 97,002 signatures by November 9th to get, a, to get the marijuana question on the ballot in 2012. Um, under the proposed initiative, people 21 and over could possess up to an ounce of cannabis as well as pot paraphernalia, but they could not grow their own. Instead, consumers would purchase it from one of 120 authorized retail outlets who would in turn purchase their supplies from one of 50 authorized wholesale growers. 
The proposal includes a $50 an ounce excise tax at the wholesale level, and sales tax would apply on retail transactions. You might be thinking, wow, that was a lot of details. They really got this ironed out. Well, they've got a lot of they've had a lot of tries at it. So <laughs> it's getting more and more perfected as they go along. And you know, we certainly hope uh, the best for these guys in this push. And uh, it's by no means in any way over with by at all. And it could very well uh, pass. But um, unfortunately, right now, the polls are showing that it's kind of down. But you know what? The polls were showing that Prop 19 was down not very long ago. And now uh, many of the polls I've read have shown that it's on top. Yeah, you know, you can't really trust these polls anyway. Nope, not totally. Not at all. If it was polling at like 14%, I think we might be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. When, <laughs> yeah, when, when they're polling so close, I mean, it's, there's such a, such a big uh, margin for error in these things with the limited, limited sample they do. Yep. Nevadans for sensible drug policy. Is that what it was called? Yeah, I Any, think that's what you said. Yeah, let me let me make sure. Uh, Nevada, yeah, Nevadans for sensible marijuana laws. Marijuana laws, okay. I want to definitely give them uh, the, the kudos for all they're doing and credit for all they're involved in. Of course, we love MPP. They already know that. Um, and this story was attributable to Philip Smith from uh, DRCNet. Uh, yeah. org. This is in issue 643, and I hope you you never get tired of me saying it because I'm never going to stop saying it. Um, they uh, they they produce an amazing newsletter. It's free to you. You can get it right through your email. It's called the Drug War Chronicle, and it's fantastic. So check it out. They've also got a great blog on their site too. Uh, they yeah, they absolutely articles. do. And these guys have got some serious experience under their belt, and they know what they're talking about. This is very informed uh, commentary that you get from them. So it's, it's hard to beat what, uh, what they're offering. And they have a, a slick new uh, website that they just redesigned. You know what? And before I move on, we covered that North Carolina issue. And uh, I forgot that I wanted to do this. This is important because we always want to make sure we recognize who's involved in pushing these things, these positive things forward. And there's an organization in North Carolina called the North Carolina Cannabis Patients Network. And they are hugely uh, involved with uh, getting this to where it's at with the Democratic Party. So kudos and thanks go out to those guys. We want to recognize them for all the positive things they're doing. Yeah, that's right. As well. Yep, yep, yep. So where's that leave us? We've got tons more stuff going on. Um, oh, gosh. You know, we did report. Do uh, you remember that story we had um, in Las Vegas uh, where the, the young guy got shot? Yeah, they I raided. remember. That was horrible, man. It was really horrible. I'm just, just, just an let's, update for you. Yeah, up, let's up, fill our listeners in. The, well, there was a police shooting that happened. Uh, I believe Pot. Uh, handle this story. It, it wasn't sure. a, a police officer. The police shot somebody. Yeah, the police shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. Um, arguably, and this is just my opinion, but arguably, maybe this guy needs to have a bullet in his ass from the sounds of things. The police officer that shot him. But this kid was a was a great kid. He had a great future ahead of him. Um, he's twenty one year old kid. He had uh, he was engaged. He had his girlfriend in the in the home with him where he was at in his apartment. His pregnant um, pregnant girlfriend. Who was, yes, who was pregnant? Um, I believe I'm pretty sure. I believe they, I read that they were engaged. Yeah, fiance. You know? Uh huh. Yeah, they were they were together and serious. So, I mean, it was a exclusive thing, and he had uh, just completed, a, I believe, an associate degree. Um, did pretty decent in school. He was going uh, uh, had aspirations of going on to uh, uh, higher level degrees and uh, a really good uh, outlook on the future. Um, reported from the Las Vegas Review Journal by Lawrence Mower. Um, this is a unfortunate. More it just just gets more. It's it. 
I don't think unfortunate really approaches the magnitude of the story. It's worse than unfortunate. It's ridiculous yeah. and, and horrible. But uh, Las Vegas police say they, they thought that Trevin Cole, is the young guy's name, uh, was a hardcore drug dealer with a long record of arrest in Texas and California when they broke down his apartment door and pointed a gun at his head last month. They were wrong. Cole, uh, 21 years of age, was unarmed when he was killed by a single rifle round fired by Detective Brian Yant, who a week before the raid swore under oath that Cole had a lengthy criminal history of narcotic sales, trafficking, and possession charges in Houston and L.A. Did, Cole, did he swear that under oath so that they could get the warrant? Is that Yes. So this is no, this is no little, you know, it's not like it's some inaccurate email or something that he wrote, you know, that this officer wrote. This is uh, serious. Uh, this affidavit is serious. It's a sworn statement that he's signing off on in front of a judge. He's swearing that everything is truthful and accurate in here. But uh, Cole's record in his native California was limited to a conviction for misdemeanor unlawful taking of a vehicle. He probably never even visited Houston, as far as we're aware. Investigators might have confused him with another Trevin Cole, one with a different middle name who's seven years older, at least three inches shorter and 100 pounds lighter. Records show. Oops. Trevor, yeah, Trevin, Trevin Cole has several marijuana-related arrests in Houston, all misdemeanors. Um, the, the errors in the affidavit will raise question about Yant's credibility next month when he tells a coroner's inquest jury why he shot Cole. An attorney uh, representing the dead man's family uh, said, uh, police said Cole made a furtive movement during the June 11th raid on Cole's Fur- apartment. Furtive. Yeah, furtive. Isn't that always the word? Uh-huh. A furtive like, movement. Mm-hmm. He, he reached for a gun that wasn't there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, this this officer has been in question in the past. I mean, I can't say anything like, you know, he's been shooting people wrong because, unfortunately, the law says that's not what's happening. But the, the truth in the history, the factual history, shows that he's been investigated uh, twice. Well, I need to include that it's, it's routine whenever the shooting occurs, you know, that they— uh, they, they do an investigation mm-hmm. to some degree. They don't actually do a, a full inquiry in, unless the person dies. But this officer, Yant, has shot two people, at least two people that we know of before. One of them did die, and they did an inquiry. It was cleared. Um, you know, just my speculation, my personal opinion, I think probably because he was a cop. You know, they hate to hang their own. Um, it's, it sucks that that's the truth. But he got off that for whatever reason. Hey, maybe he's innocent for all I know. But, uh, well... I don't think I would use that word, but uh, uh, he also was involved in another shooting with a person. They did not die, so he did not suffer any kind of a deep inquiry or anything into that. But both of them were questionable, and there there were some questions in both shootings. So that just leads me to, well, obviously question what's going on with this situation. You know, and the fact that this was a promising young man with a with a good future ahead of him. Um, he was not the threat that they said they had the wrong house. How many times? I mean, can you get any more sick? of law enforcement going in and destroying people's lives by mistake. Is this not the story we hear all the time? Oh yeah. It was the wrong house. It was the wrong person. We had, we had our facts wrong. We went in with guns blazing and we fucked up. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. We the, killed, uh, we killed a couple of people and we're sorry. And they, and, and as usual, they, the police have not elaborated on the circumstances surrounding the shooting. Uh, but Cole's fiance um, said that he had his hands in the air when Yant shot him once in the head. Um, so it's, so it's a, pretty a, a furative movement is putting your hands in the air then, huh? Yeah, yeah, and you know, you know, uh the the incredibly horrible thing that he did to to deserve all this. 
Um, undercover detectives bought marijuana from him four times over five weeks. A total of, you know how many truckloads they got from him? <laughs> None, actually. <laughs> they got a total of 1.8 ounces wow. for $840, according to the affidavit. Um, both Yant and the over, undercover detective positively identified Cole as the dealer, the document said. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is getting worse and worse. Insult to injury. But uh, we'll see what's going on. Um, I don't know. We'll follow this. It's uh, definitely not a, a bright and positive story, but it's something that we, we definitely think is important to uh, stay apprised of and keep our, keep our readers aware of. You know, it's not our listeners, rather, aware of because, you know, it's not all sunshine and, you know, rainbows for, by any means. And uh, we have to yeah. keep, in, we gotta keep on top on these, uh, of these, uh, I don't know, un, undesirable stories of this type. Yeah. So anyway, there's that one. And we hope to God that these, this, this people's family, uh, you know, get some sort of justice in the end, you know, we'll uh, keep people apprised of that, but yeah, there's some, uh, there's some kid is going to grow up without a father. Isn't that, I mean, how wrong can it get? I mean, what if you were his fiance and you were excited because you knew you're having his kid and he loved you and you loved him. I mean, shit, that's like almost a miracle these days. And then, He's got a future planned out that's positive, that has a, a huge potential for, you know, being able to provide a, a good future for us, uh, you know, a secure future for him. Yeah. And then, you know, you lose your, the love of your life and then, you know, your child is going to not. It's just, it's just, I don't know. And these guys just shrug it off. It's heartbreaking. Know? Yeah, it really, it really truly is, you know, and I'm, I'm so sick to death of reporting stories like this. Please stop the madness. Please. But you know what? I'm going to continue uh, reporting these things till my last breath or, or until they stop, which I hope is a long time before my last breath. I'd like to have a little bit of lifespan where I don't have this shit going on all the time. <laughs> so uh, we'll for the best in there. But, you know, on a little bit more positive note, moving over to Washington State, uh, you know, this is a little bit more positive note in a literal sense. I think this is a little more positive note because I don't really know how how huge this is going to affect many things. But the, uh, the Supreme Court made a ruling uh, in uh, the state of Washington that says that the strong odor of marijuana coming from a stop vehicle is no longer sufficient cause for a warrantless search. Really? Um, the, yeah, they ruled by a 5-4 majority um, last Thursday. Um, six years of pro bono work by attorney Sharon Blackford paid off it said the story says um oh i'm sorry this is from tokeofthetown.com uh, by steve elliott but uh thank you to 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 sharon blackford good grief she put six years of pro of free pro bono if in case people don't understand that's like without charge that's that's for the good of the situation she did that um free um and uh it prevailed it prevailed there was uh it was based on a on a case state versus tibbles and uh, they said the, the, the court uh, said that we hold the search state versus Tibbles was not justified by exigent circumstances and evidence obtained as a result of the search should have been suppressed. And uh, according to the Supreme Court ruling, officers who detect the smell of marijuana coming from vehicles must first, first either obtain a search warrant 
or actually arrest the subject, at which time a vehicle search would become permissible under the search incident to a lawful arrest rule. Unfortunately, the smell of pot is still probable cause to do either of those things, get a search warrant or arrest the driver of a vehicle if he is the lone occupant. Oh. But that does put a little bit of a barrier in between them, and they are a little bit more uh, careful in how they act because it's a little bit more serious when you place somebody ar- under arrest. I guess so. You have to have just cause to do so. Sure, and to get a warrant as well. Uh-huh. So, so you know, it's 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 big. It's a huge positive step, but it's not uh, it, it, when it comes down to how it affects us. It's really not quite as huge as you might think on its face. But you know, nevertheless, positive news. Yeah, positive. any any victory is a victory. You betcha, and we'll take them all. Yeah. We'll take them all for sure. So, yeah, what else we got going on? Anything else happening? I think, I think that's all the stories we have. We do have a, a clip we're going to play bef- uh, at the very end of the show before we close the show out, which I think we should preface. There is, there is. Hey, you know what? There is one more thing I'd oh, love yeah. to mention. Yeah, we bring have it up. For it. Check this out. We talked about the stop Prop 19, no Prop 19 stick it up your ass prop 19 all those ridiculous people with their websites well there's another movement going on you guys should definitely check this out it's called just say now uh medical or i mean marijuana legalization push that's uh recently gotten underway you can read more about this also um uh in an article by philip smith that was in the uh, stop the drug war.org uh, drug war chronicle i was speaking of this is also an issue 643. Um, ex-cops and college students, conservative constitutional scholars, and a liberal-leaning website, former narcs and hip-hop figures, all are strange bedfellows in a new campaign to legalize marijuana that launched Tuesday, last Tuesday. Led by the political blog site Fire Dog Lake, the Just Say Now campaign has also enlisted Students for Sensible Drug Policy, known as SSDP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, LEAP, who we spoke about earlier in the show, and Go TV, as well as prominent individuals from across the political spectrum It is what is in what is billing as a, quote, transpartisan movement to free the weed. <laughs> as huh. part of the campaign, Just Say Now is also launching a petition to President Obama calling for an end to pot prohibition. In addition to being available online, students at SSDP chapters around the country will be carrying copies for signing on campus. Um, The war on marijuana is a failure, the petition reads. Uh, The government wastes billions of dollars fighting drug cartels that thrive on marijuana prohibition. Thousands of people are killed. Police officers' lives are put in risk and taxpayer dollars are wasted for nothing. With states on the verge of legalizing marijuana, it's time for a reality check. The, the federal government should drop its active opposition to marijuana legalization. It's time to end the war on marijuana. So that's cool. Very that good news. Cool. Uh, they, they have yeah. a website. I just found it. It's justsaynow.com. Yeah. So definitely check that out and get interested you know, or if you're interested. And if you're not interested, check it out. And I bet you $100 you'll end up being interested because it's very cool. <laughs> yeah. It's a very cool thing. Fire Dog Lake is uh, – the, the blogger political blog site that's uh, hosting most of this stuff and a lot of very positive organizations. You know, the last thing I want to say um, before we move on forward to closing out the show today, um, I mentioned students for sensible drug policy. Well, you know, I've mentioned pre- in previous shows that we had a, a, a listener contact us, um, Josh from Illinois. Uh-huh. And uh, he said, look, I go to university here in Illinois, and I would like to bring an organization to my campus. I don't know, normal, uh, SSDP, uh, maybe another one, uh, but I'm, I'm very interested in this, and I was hoping for some insight, some uh, maybe some advice and so forth, um, guidance in, in, in figuring out which one I should do and how I should go about doing it. 
And I, I answered that one immediately since I'm in Illinois now. And I said, hey, it's great to talk to you, Josh. I would absolutely love to talk more about this. And I'm sure my colleagues could offer insight as well. But uh, if you, if you, additionally, if you'd like to meet, I would be happy to meet with you on campus. Well, I'm happy to say just last week we did meet. Oh, and he brought his. That's awesome. Yes. And he's going with sensible uh, students for sensible drug policy, SSDP, which I think is a fantastic uh, idea, especially suitable for uh, college or college or university campuses. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has a lot of support. Um, I know that some of the sister uh, branches from that university attends also already have existing SSDP chapters. So that'll be a benefit as well. Um, it brings a lot of credibility with it. Um, he seems to have his uh, act together very well. He's uh, very much, uh, he gave me the impression, left me with the impression that he's uh, going to be a good candidate to do this stuff. I offered any kind of support or help with him. Um, and uh, hopefully I can be some sort of, uh, I'm happy to be some sort of a mentor to them in, in, in whatever way I can um, as far as this, these endeavors go. So we wish him the, the best of luck. And if he's listening, man, hey, you know, I'm with you, Josh. We had a great meeting and, and you know, thanks for, uh, thanks for picking up this issue. Awesome, Jamie. That's great news. Mm -hmm. Very good stuff. Man, I just kind of surprisingly ended on a positive note. Isn't that good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad because that, that, that Nevada news was kind of a buzzkill. Kind of shitty, huh? Yeah. 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 So we got, a, we got a clip to go out on? Yeah, we do. Um, uh, Mike Huckabee, he's the uh, – where, yeah. where is he from? Is he from Iowa? He's from No, I don't think so. I don't remember. He's from, isn't he from out east? I think I can uh, probably. Oh yeah, Massachusetts. Somewhere. Uh, we we can Google this real quick. We'll find out. He was a former candidate for uh, for president. He was in the primary at least. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's got a show on Fox News now. He does. And, uh, he's yeah. the big, the the Huckabee Network. <laughs> the network. Does he has a radio show too? Right, I Amy. Mean, he's big. I think yeah, he's big, yeah, yeah. He actually, he's pretty, he's pretty uh, embedded in there, man. Yeah. He's authored like seven books. He's got a lot of stuff going on media-wise. Yeah, we got, um, we got some work to do to catch up to this guy. <laughs> he was the governor of Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas. Okay, sure. Uh, after yeah. after Clinton, I guess there were probably a few people in between. Yeah, he was uh, he was the governor of Arkansas from '96 to 2007. Okay. Yep. And Governing Magazine, you know, have you read their latest issue? It's pretty good. <laughs> governing, yeah, I, I get it yeah. every week. <laughs> it, it named him as one of its public officials of the year for 2005. And Time Magazine honored him as one of the, the five best governors in America. And later in the same year, he received American Association of Retired Persons Impact Award and many other awards listed. So I guess uh, he's, uh, he's worthy of talking about some important issues. <laughs> And if I know the clip you're talking about, this is a pretty important issue. Yeah, so he had um, he had Tommy Chong on, uh, and you know Tommy Chong, who, what a you know, great guy. Awesome. Yeah, he's you know he's he had some trouble a few years back with the federal government. He went to jail for a little while because uh, he put his name on his son's uh, pipe company. Mm -hmm. And uh, the feds busted him in an operation they called uh, Operation Pipe Dreams. What year is that? Like 2003 or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Yep. 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 Completely inappropriate. Totally bogus shit. Uh, yeah. Michelle Lanhart, the, the one up for the DA administrator job right now that Obama's uh, put, uh, pledged to put her into, or, or uh, what do you call that? Not the recommendation. Anyway, that she, he's the one that, she's, that he's trying to get in there. Right. So, 
Yeah, she was part of that. So anyway, Tommy Chong appeared on the Mike Huckabee show uh, to discuss the legalization of cannabis. And um, we have about a seven-minute clip that we're going to play for you. Awesome. Yeah. Um, this is good. I, I listened to this clip. Yeah. It was interesting. And while I thought that Tommy Chong made some good... I mean, he was right in the things he says. And you listen to the clip, you'll get what I'm talking about. But I thought he's, he's right. I'm not saying he's wrong or anything. But it was to... It's certainly... It's not the, the type of focused... Uh, effort we would we would expect from say like Jay Selt Hoffner we were talking to earlier or like somebody you know like Aaron Houston or one of the big guys that's it, involved there. It kind of seems like he smoked a big doobie like five minutes before appearing on the show. <laughs> did you get that impression? Too? I did. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it did. He found the Panama red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just like lies, lies, and he's right. You know, he's right. Yeah, he's right. He's right. He just didn't come across that great. For what it's worth, you know, I think it's a, it's a fun clip. It'll be entertaining and interesting yeah. clip to listen to. We'll play it for you. Yeah, so I think that that is uh, that is what we're going to end the show on, and we certainly appreciate. It. Is that is that it? Is that a wrap up? I believe. Yeah, let's. Uh, we'll start to wrap this up. We do have a couple of closing notes. Awesome. Um, one one last time, we'd like to encourage all of our listeners to go visit Jay Self Selthoffner's website at. Uh, we'll have a link in the in the show notes, but it's Jay Selthoffner. It's S E L T H O F N E R dot com. And, you know, additionally, he's running for District, Wisconsin District 41. So that's right. another way you can search that. Right. Um, on a pro-cannabis platform. And we're mm-hmm. trying to get all of our listeners to go there and donate just a small amount. He's trying to raise $4.20 from uh, as many people as he can. If you have more than that, please give uh, more than that. Give as much as, as you can afford. Um, but we, we are offering uh, to the first to the first 10 people that visit his uh, website. You actually, if you go to jselthoffner.com slash CA, like Cannabis Agenda, and click on the donation link, um, if you're one of the first 10 people there who donate uh, via that link, we will send you a copy of Reefer Madness on DVD. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, we'd like to encourage all of our listeners to help Jay out uh, in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. Yeah, you know, at this time, I think I can officially say I am a Jay Selthoffner supporter. Actually, I spend him money, so I'm officially a supporter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm for Jay. I'm going to get yeah. a shirt that says, I'm for Jay. I'm for Jay, Cannabis, too. Cannabis Agenda supports Jay Selthoffner for District 41 Assemblyman. I had a nice time uh, talking to him earlier today. Yeah, see, is that the first time you talked to him? Yeah, yeah, for myself. You talked okay. to him uh, during that interview you did previously. I did. Was yeah. I right? He's a cool guy. Huh? Yeah, he's oh. a cool guy. I like the guy. Good deal. I'm sure Good we'll deal. have him on again before the election. Yep. I think uh, I think it's likely that our listeners uh, probably got the same impression. So yeah. hopefully, please, guys, you know, stand up, man. Let your wallet talk a little bit. We're not, you know, don't go without bread and milk, but you know, whatever you can do, help this guy out because I believe, uh, believe me, um, with success in this endeavor, he will certainly be helping us all out. Yeah, so. that's right. And thanks, Jay. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for uh, for standing up and being a voice, especially in, in a place like Wisconsin. Yep, yep, for sure. And, for um, yeah, to all of our listeners, uh, we do have several ways you can get a hold of us. You can go to our website at cannabisagenda.com. You can email us at info at cannabisagenda.com. We have a phone number. You can dial us at 707-654-CAN, C-A-N-N. Uh, we also have Twitter accounts. We got Facebook uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. We've got all these details at our website, CannabisAgenda.com, and we encourage you to, um, to follow us and, and keep in touch. Actually, please do that. Yep. We love you, Cannabis World. Yeah, that's right. Mm, until next time. Until Take next care. time. Yep. And uh, 
Well, peace <laughs> and pot. Peace and pot. <laughs>
uh, that marijuana affects your cognitive abilities. Uh, for example, the uh, impact it can have on your memory can affect you for up to six weeks, which certainly with kids that are going through school would be something that would be very negative for them. Does it have any impact on academic performance? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if I was going to recommend that my kid uh, study, I certainly wouldn't recommend that he have a joint before sitting down and cracking the books. Uh, it has uh, impact on your ability to integrate information into your brain. Uh, the effect can be long-lasting. When you drink alcohol, alcohol oxidizes out of your body at the rate of about an ounce an hour. But studies have shown that marijuana can affect your cognitive performance for days after that and memory up to six weeks after that. Okay, Tommy, when David was talking, you were saying, that's a lie, that's a lie. So you have a different point of view. You don't think it's Go really on. dangerous. Go on the Internet and, and, and find well, but out that, about Tommy, I read a lot of these stuff on the Internet myths. that is nonsense. I read stuff about me that would... Uh, no, these, would... These, are, these are backed <laughs> up. This, this is backed up uh, by research. You know, these are a myth that, that what he just said. And by the way, I want to ask the, the, the uh, person, is it a doctor? Uh, no, not anyway, a doctor. Uh, do, do you smoke? Have you smoked marijuana? I, I smoked a few times when I was in college back in the 60s, yes. And how, how did it affect your uh, grades? Well, um, I just smoked it a few times. Um, no, but, but the I concern, mean, how did the concern here grades? would be uh, having kids smoking it a lot. If we legalize marijuana, I gave you a chance to hey. speak. Let me speak. Uh, the latest information coming out of California about legalization is estimate that the marijuana use is going to go up by about 30%. And that is for adults and for kids. So we're going to have more marijuana use, more problems in school, more health problems. Now, marijuana is not a medicine. The Food and Drug Administration looked at this, uh, studied it extensively, came out it's saying that it is not an effective medicine. He mentioned multiple sclerosis. That's National lie. Multiple Sclerosis Society 2008 looked at it and said, do not use it if you have multiple sclerosis. There's too many negative That's side effects. That's another lie. But, but I guess one That's of the questions, Tommy, lie. you know, and... and Quite frankly, I don't think you and David are probably going to agree on this, even if you sat down and no. smoked a peace pipe together. David, I don't David think you're going to agree on this one. But, but one Listen, question, Tommy. David, will... David gets paid for doing <laughs> saying what he says. But will, I don't. But will kids be better off if we were to legalize marijuana? And, in, in, and if so, yes, in what absolutely. way? absolutely. How will they be better? Absolutely. How will it be better? <laughs> for one thing, just look at facts, okay? Look at Amsterdam. Amsterdam is it's legal over there, okay? Yeah, I've been Look there. And I wasn't the, that impressed with what I was seeing. Honestly, Tommy. Again, I, again, again, that's you, man. You're getting paid to say what you're saying. Oh no, you know, not, but you're, I, you're, I get paid to say it, but I don't get paid to say a particular thing. Yeah, you get paid to say it. You you, you get paid to recite all the, the lies that, that has put people like myself in jail. You know, which I'm you think not I sure. should have gone to jail? You know, and, and Tommy, you and I, I think, do agree that some of the answers for dealing with drugs is not necessarily to incarcerate everybody. That is one point on which we agree. But, uh, you know, we respectfully disagree on the idea that legalizing marijuana or making it more available to kids is a good thing. Okay, Mike, oh, let, me, let me say one yes. thing. We have laws already to protect kids from cigarettes and from alcohol. Apply the same laws to marijuana and you've got no problem. Okay, David, I'm going to give you the last word. Yeah, I just would like to comment uh, about Amsterdam. My wife is from the Netherlands, and um, the Dutch government has now formally apologized to the United Nations for their previous position that marijuana was not harmful. 
Uh, before they liberalized the laws, the incidence of marijuana use among Dutch kids was about 5%. Now it's approaching the amount that's in the United States. So the Dutch are now cracking down on it, uh, as have the English. They liberalized their marijuana laws. They had tons of kids winding up with marijuana-related psychosis in their hospitals. They're all changing their policies now. So we should More not lies. do it in this country. Well. More Sounds lives. like we've completely mushroom come to an agreement farmers. here. I really appreciate farmers. it. Tommy, we got to go. You're David, thank you farmers. very much. By the mushroom way, farmer is a guy, you keep him in the dark. Let me just say, Chong's Get It Legal Tour does start soon. If you agree with Tommy, you can go to ChoosingChongTour.com for the dates. And we will be right back.